the time checked so there'd be no doubt called on a north wind to come on out then cupped his hands so proudly to shout la-di-da the days are getting shorter as autumn arrives in full swing and there is a lot going on in the county a lot of interviews to get to uh, mayor's updates from our towns part one a new jail for anderson county festival time is here elections are just around the corner all this and more on this edition of the anderson observer podcast news from people you trust but let's do a quick rundown of the news first perhaps the biggest news in the last week and the best news is the purchase of 22 acres on the corner of Concord Road and the East-West Parkway. Uh, Raymond Hayes, a well-known Anderson businessman who lives in the area, purchased the property, at least in part to end any potential plans the city of Anderson might have entertained about annexing the property and rezoning it for multifamily housing. Uh, Hayes says he had no plans to sell the property at all right now, and if he does, he's not selling it to a developer. So it's all good news. He gets my vote for an Anderson County Environmental Citizen of the Year. This property is also going to have a place that Hayes is going to set aside to help the county deal with the water runoff issues this area, which have been pretty significant. Um, those serious drainage and runoff is issues have affected five subdivisions downriver from the site with flooding and considerable problems for some homeowners. Cox Creek just can't handle any more of these once in a hundred year range, which now seem to happen almost every year. Plus, the Anderson County Council and the South Carolina Department of Transportation promised homeowners and other landowners along the connector property that it would be strictly zoned for single-family housing, and the county went so far as to require a supermajority of county council to consider any kind of changes, so that promise was made. So it's good to see that that's going to be kept. Uh, ideally, and it's a dream world, I guess that would have been a spectacular green space for a park featuring a ball field, picnic tables, and other recreation amenities for those who enjoy that walking trail and the, also for the neighbors in that area. But uh, it is a great place, and in the meantime, Mr. Hayes is to be commended for helping avoid the potential disastrous results of city annexation of more dense housing in that area. Those tracks are being used quite a bit, and if you've noticed the, the trail from Anderson's uh, Anmed Hospital on 81 North all the way to the Civic Center is getting close to being completed. If you've noticed people walking down uh, McConnell Springs Road up Harriet Circle down towards there and up towards the Ingalls that connects to the East West Parkway, it's already getting great use and it's not even completed yet. And for the record, I've had people ask me I'm not against annexation by the city of Anderson in any way. I recognize that a healthy city needs to grow and needs more places for citizens to live. And there is a housing shortage in Anderson, which is the third highest increase in rent prices in the nation over the past 12 months. Our rent prices in Anderson County have jumped 117%, making it one of the more expensive places to live anywhere. So I do know we need more housing and better, better affordable housing, but we'd also need prudent and strategic planning, and it should be considered along with growth. A good example, the massive developments along Midway Road and the surrounding area, Harriet Circle, were supposed to have saved the hardwoods and kept the general topography of the land. Instead, the land was clear-cut. Most of it was cratered out flat, and it really has marred the visual appeal of that area. Uh, could have left some of those hardwood trees, and it would have really made it for a nicer area for subdivisions. Anyway, some of those things need to be considered in the future, and even more than that, traffic patterns. 
Uh, the traffic patterns in that area are already a nightmare as witnessed by any parent, parent using Crestview Road after drop-offs at school at Glenview Middle School or meeting the Midway Elementary School traffic merging in from Harriet Circle. It, it's terrible um, traffic cars. I counted one time 28 cars backed up on, on Harriet Circle, I mean on uh, Crestview there. And a planned roundabout, which I've still not seen the exact plans for, but it's on South Carolina Department of Transportation's calendar for late 2024. And that's two years away, and the new housing is going to be occupied, and traffic's going to be increasingly horrible there in the meantime. People are going to be trying to avoid that. There's not any really good way around it. So perhaps waiting on infrastructure before expansion could be considered. There's no real shortage of developers that will be willing to build in 2024, so what's the rush? In other big news, the county has approved the design firm for the new $55 million jail facility, which is long overdue and done to move ahead to avoid the federal government from stepping in and building a prison and sending the county the bill. The new facility could be built within three to four years, take about a year for the design, and then they'll move from there. Uh, the current jail was built in 1956, in case you've forgotten, and is more double is at more than double capacity, with some cells built to hold five prisoners now having 25 in those cells. And Anderson County Rust, uh, Administrator Rusty Burns talked to me about the new jail and uh, several other updates on the county in this interview with the Anderson Observer a couple of weeks ago. Labor Day has come and gone, and it brought maybe the, my favorite story of the past month is the new permanent stage at the Amphitheater Civic Center. It is a really nice outdoor stage. Remind everybody why we needed it and how big it is and all that stuff. Well, for the longest time, we had a, a metal stage that you could raise and lower. It wasn't really a stage, but it, it we may do with well, it. Well, I think it was an afterthought. It was never... Yeah, when... and so eventually it just wore out and it was unsafe. So then we got into a position where we had to rent a stage to have concerts. Well, when you have to rent a stage, that's anywhere from eight to $12,000. So any concerts you had, start off the bat, you had to get a stage. So people said, you know, I really don't want to have to rent a stage for my one day event and then, you know, take it down. So we no longer have that problem. We have a permanent stage. It's a really nice stage. And it's I big. think it's very big and I think everybody's very pleased with it. It's also designed where we can hang all of the amplifiers and speakers and all the lighting. So I think it's going to make, and I already know it is, because it did for two days last week, a much better experience. It's also going to allow us to attract more and bigger entertainment because we're not being Hooterville and we have to go rent a stage from somebody. So. And you can spend that money on the act rather than trying to get Absolutely. stages in here. Well, I did hear a lot of positive comments at Jamie Johnson concert and also a couple of days later at Celebrate Anderson. How was the crowd for Celebrate Anderson? I know we had a ring. It was about a third of the crowd. We had people lined up at 2 o'clock to get in there, and they watched that concert, and you know it rained, and then it would not rain, and then it would rain. So for those conditions, we had a good, good afternoon with all of the free rides for children, and then we had a really good concert, and we had two good performers there. So everything worked out well considering the circumstances. But, you know, it's show business. Show must go on. So the show went on. Yeah. And we had a big fireworks display, and that wasn't hampered by the rain. So we were all very pleased with those two concerts, two real nice concerts in one week. The weather reminds us we're not in charge, doesn't it? We're not in charge. And so there's no reason to stress over it because there's nothing you can do about it. 
Well, I know Travis Tritt is set for an indoor concert. Any other indoor concerts or events planned for the We 16th? have several of them that are looking right now, and I think we're going to have a constant stream of performers indoor and outdoor and a lot of, a lot of it has to do with that stage because we're back on the radar again and i'm very happy about that and i know over the summer we've got new kid venture open new ball fields were updated um some other stuff what other upgrades have gone on at the civic center or planned out there well we need to do a little more work on our pickleball courts uh just yesterday we received information from duke energy that we're going to receive a grant to assist us in that just about a $40,000 upgrade. We've got to get some shade out there on those pickleball courts because they're used seven days a week. People line up to use them. We also have to do the same thing in our brand new pickleball courts over there at Hurricane Springs Park, which Duke Energy also gave us a grant to do some more work over there yesterday. Plus, not just at the Civic Center, but we have a massive project going on at Dolly Cooper right now. So we're doing that. We're also talking to Brock What's going Elder. on at Dolly Cooper? Dolly, well, we're putting finally putting in that pavilion-type structure over there and more parking. It's just part of the ongoing process. We already have the plan for Dolly Cooper, and as we get money and we get grant money, then we take that next step to improve Dolly Cooper Park. Well, I was gonna, uh, skipping ahead, I was going to ask you about the parks. Uh, I know uh, Wellington has been a huge success, the upgrade there. Any other big news from the county's 37 parks? No, well, we still have more work to do at Wellington. We have to do some more picnic-type stuff down at Wellington. But it's uh, used, like, massively used now. It's massively used, and basketball player, biggest thing we always had when we would go play at public courts is somebody tore the rim or they ruined the nets. We haven't replaced it one time. The community has embraced it, and they take care of it, and it's a great success. We're also talking with some community people about doing some work at Equinox Park. So that might be one of our next goals. It's an inner city park, it needs some work. It's already a park, it's nice. Huge space. Huge, it's used for soccer and other things, but I'd love to put one of those over and under courts over there. <laughs> and that's, again, this was brought to our attention by people in the community. So we're gonna be working along those lines. So a lot of things we need to do, a lot of things that council wants to do. As you know, we're doing recreation plans for every, every, district every council district, and the next two are going to be Councilman John Wright's district and Councilman Brett Sanders' district, and they are very interested in getting feedback from the community on what people want and how where they want it and how they want things to do. So that's moving along real well. Well, one of the other big news items, and it's, it's in the works now, is the new jail, the new... Um, uh, detention center. The, the council approved a bond, $55 million. Um, we've discussed this in the past, but remind people why this is urgent and where it will be located and when it might be finished, that kind of stuff. It's going to be located exactly where the jail is now. So we're not going at any place else to put a jail. Uh, we had the final presentation yesterday from the architects. We had three people respond to the request for qualifications. Uh, the county committee will be making a recommendation to council on Tuesday night. Today we are receiving the uh, interest rates and interest rates are very, very critical on what we can and cannot do. And they all have to be in by 10 o'clock today, which is today, September the 15th. And we think we're gonna be looking pretty good with some, we just have a good feeling that we're gonna get a good interest rate because the county has an excellent credit rating. So we're gonna see that and then really after an architect is selected 
Tuesday night if council selects one, which I'm pretty sure they will, and we get the bids on the bonds. We have a meeting here at 9.30 in the morning with the finance committee chaired by Councilman Brett Sanders. Not his regular finance committee, but the jail finance committee here tomorrow at 9.30, September the 16th, to examine the interest rates and say, hey, this is a good rate. Let's lock it in and let's move forward. So the council is really fast-tracking this because, again, that jail's rated for around less than 250. We got 450 there today. And people say, well, you need to build a stockade. Well, then we'll let you build a stockade. And you ought to put inmates to work. Well, we have inmates. We have two inmate crews that go all around the county picking up trash. We also use trustees and put them in various parts of the county to do various parts of things. But again, 80% of the people, and that changes day to day, in that facility have not been convicted of a crime. They haven't had their day in court. And so it's time to do this. Our detention officers, who we care a great deal about, right now work in probably the most horrible conditions of anybody you've ever seen because, I mean, it is just no room. And as I've talked before, there is no uh, juvenile facility there. Now if we lock up a juvenile, you have two officers who have to go to Columbia, go through the check-in process and drive back to Anderson, and we have to pay for them to do that. We're going to take the newest part of the jail, turn that into a juvenile facility, and since there's none in the upstate, or very few, A, we will be able to put our juveniles in a safe environment, but we'll also be able to take them from other counties nearby, which we can make money on. Are we going to get rich? No, but it will help pay for the overhead and the utilities. So council's looking very strongly at that. So that jail process is, is being fast-tracked. I mean, you've got jails in South Carolina right now, Richland County for one, off the top of my head. That attorney said, uh, you need to build a new jail, and you should build a new jail, and you better do it because if you don't, I'm going to sue you, and then you're still going to build a new jail. It's just going to cost you a whole lot more. So it's time. Nobody wants to build a jail. Nobody wants to spend this great amount of money, but it's one of the things that the county is required to do, and so we're going to do it, and we're going to build it, and we're going to build it with an eye towards the future. If you look at some of the latest population projection numbers, we have population in Anderson County is 220,000. Uh, there are a lot of people moving in here, and we need to do away with that medieval prison that we have. How about federal prisoners? Will they be able to use it? The city of Anderson takes federal prisoners. Now, the reason you take federal prisoners is because you make money on federal prisoners. And that would be another income stream that would help pay for the detention officers and the new jail by taking federal prisoners. And you're not getting uh, the Gotti family in here. You're getting minimum security prisoners, and it's another way to make money. So we're not in the business to make money, but we're not in the business to lose money. And council's looking very strongly at, at those ideas. Also, this jail, when it's constructed, will be able to be expanded. <clears throat> the center part of the jail, where you have the kitchen and the medical and all that, will be built to take care of future needs. And then if you need to, you can add another pod at another time at a much less expense on the same footprint. So this is moving fast. It will probably take, if they select an architect on Tuesday, you've got 12 months of drawings to do before you can go out to bid. And I would imagine construction, and I've looked at some recent projects about our size, 
could take any 14 months if you're really cruising down the road. That's fast. To have a new jail. Plus, we've got other things. We have uh, <clears throat> moved a lot of things to TTI, and so a whole lot of things going on in Anderson County. The council's moving this here, moving that there. We're going to be moving the Clemson Extension Service from Tower Street into the county's 1428 building. We think that's going to make it more. Where, remind people where that is. That is the old TTI Ryobi building on the bypass. Uh, we now have a sign up so you know it's an Anderson County facility. If you look very closely, you'll see Anderson County's brand new shop that has been completed. Now we have a probably one of the best shops in the world and it's improved morale, allowed us to retain good mechanics, and it makes everything flow more smoothly. And so that's been a big boom. And uh, Tri-County Tech is fixing to do some automotive type stuff in this area. We're working with them about apprenticeships for their students to work in our shop. We think that would be a good symbiotic relationship right there. They could get training, and if they're good, they can get a job and stay with us. So that's going on right over there and where the old public works area was on Michelin Boulevard we're going to and we're already in the process of removing all of those structures we're going to plant that in green grass and some wildflowers and we know one day not anytime soon but one day the airport will need that property yeah well before we, I don't get to the airport but before we do that and before we leave law enforcement uh, council also recently approved raises for the deputies. Why was that a priority? Well, <clears throat> law county council's charged with primarily public safety and welfare. And all, well, not all of them, very few of them, but some of our neighboring counties have increased their pay structure. And in order for us to retain the wonderful deputies we have now and to remain competitive we want to be right there with them and so our deputies are going to start uh, off the top of my head around forty-eight thousand dollars a year which is if it's not number one in the state it's right there in the top five and we're really proud about that council takes that seriously and so our deputies are going to get a well-deserved raise and we just think law enforcement is the number one thing that the county does i mean sheriff's in charge of of running that operation does a fantastic job, but council funds that whole entire operation. So we're real happy about that. Council uh, saw this and said, no, we're not gonna wait till the new budget. We're gonna get and do this. And our council and the sheriff have a great relationship. As he, as he outlined the other night when he was talking about this race situation. So that's the number one thing we're supposed to do. So that's what, what council does. And from a pragmatic standpoint, it even the increased wages are more than covered by losing people you've spent money to train. We were training people and they were going to other places, right? Not so much, but it gets to the situation where that could be a problem. And you don't want it to get to be a problem. But if you get an officer in and he goes to another place after you've spent six months or a year getting him integrated into your system, then you have to start that all over again. And that is a waste of money right there. Well, you mentioned the airport. Lots going on at the airport. Tell people why there's so many airplanes coming into the airport. Well, uh, Oconee received a federal grant, and they said, if you want this grant, you need to uh, let us do this work now. So they closed the Oconee Airport. And Pickens got another grant. We've already gotten these grants and fixed up our airport. And they said, you're going to close the airport. Well, they closed it right during Clemson football season. There are a lot of people who fly into uh, our airport 
Pickens and Oconee to go to Clemson football games. There's a whole nother slew of people who use these airports to get to their houses in the mountains because, you know, it's right there. All the people up there in the cliffs and all of those places who have second homes and falls the busiest time of year for people to come and enjoy those. So thank goodness we have Brett Garrison as our airport manager. He was well aware of what was happening. And so we made plans to be able to take this extra traffic. We're even getting a temporary tower, air traffic controller on the weekends to help us manage this. The Clemson University plane's been relocated to Anderson and we're hoping that the level of service and the standard of service that our airport provides, which is second to none, I mean, if you land at our airport, you're taken care of. We're hoping a lot of those people will go, well, we're just gonna stay here and we're not gonna go back to these other airports because our airport is ILS. We have instrument landing system, we have the longest runway. So that's something we're proud of. We helped to cherry pick some of that business because that airport runs on the sale of jet fuel. That's, that's where the money comes from. The other day, <clears throat> I mean, you would have thought you were at a LaGuardia. We had so many planes out there, which is a wonderful thing. And they were all putting gas and then you had the first quality jet and you had a bunch of other corporate jets coming into Anderson. And that's a trend we want to see continue. I really, last week, it's probably the busiest that airport's been in 10 years. Yeah, the Air Anderson Regional Airport suddenly gone from, you and I remember when it was very sleepy and yes. to something. Uh, well, Rich Otter, who's writing a history of the county farm property, and I've had the privilege of talking to him several times, talking about where the parking lot is at the Civic Center was the old original Anderson County Airport. <laughs> And Which was a landing strip. Landing basically. strip. And he and he and he goes in and talks about it was an emergency stop when you had airmail. But he also I mean, now all the rules and regulations you have with an airport, I mean it's a whole it's a book this big. But the only rule and regulation that I saw when he had he's still working on this was a sign that says, No grazing of livestock on the runway. I thought that was pretty good. And Amelia Earhart landed out there. Amelia Earhart certainly did land out here in the Beech Nut Plain. And he he addresses that, but he really goes into one of the used to fly from Atlanta and they would have places where you could stop if it was bad weather or something like that. Well, he's done the history. One of the guys who stopped there and then went on to uh, Charlotte, eventually became head of Eastern Airlines. But these people were flying in an open cockpit through all kinds of weather. So I can't wait for him to complete that. That's gonna be a great book. Well, let's move the economy. Uh, since last time we talked, there've been a few really big announcements finalized. I guess the biggest was Bosch's announcement to build a hydrogen fuel cell facility in Anderson. 350 new jobs. How long was that project in the works and why is it so important in Anderson County? Probably at least 14 months from start to finish. Uh, it was a search that was international in nature. And because of the people who work at Bosch now and the great reputation, we were able to win this project. Why is it important? $350 million off the top of my head. Uh, all of those new jobs, that's gonna be good for Anderson County. It was an international announcement. It was big here for us but it was big in the United States, but it went around the world. It sends a message that Anderson County can do anything, which we can do anything, and that they decided to put that here. But hydrogen fuel cell, what they're developing it for is for long haul trucking. 
as an alternative fuel. So they're going to be doing the research and development and manufacturing all of that here. So we think that's pretty cool. It is very cool. And you were involved with the economic development team that brought Bosch Anderson back in the 80s, right? I absolutely was. Uh, there was a plant there called Nord. They did refrigeration equipment. And uh, Mr. Nord came down and he built that building. And that building was there. But then his son died, tragically. And so he lost interest in it. So then we had that building to market and with Mr. Peach Tathakis. And so it really came down to Bosch was looking at it, and it came down to Grumman looking at it. And Bosch said they would take it, but we did not have a wastewater treatment plant. So when Bosch said we will come if we have sewer, that's how we built the 6 and 20 wastewater treatment plant with the first grant ever given by the coordinating council. So we built that treatment plant for free because we got a grant to do it. Bosch got to go there, and all of that other development that happened in that area became of that. But that was really good project, and we were very excited to have it, and it's continuing to grow, and I don't doubt it won't continue to grow forever. Yeah, I just think it's so important. Like you said, we are growing, and a lot of people are coming from other places to see sort of the trails of how all these things ended up in Anderson. And like we've said before, I still think Anderson's the top has the most international businesses of any place in the state still around 50 with from 18 countries or something like that yep and so um, and and that and that's a trend that's going to continue and we have some in the works that are from other lands uh one of the volvo groups has talked about a new facility to make parts for their company any more details emerging on that deal oh that's still that's still in progress but volvo you know they're located in berkeley county and they're dealing with a lot of people and buying material and supplies from local people in anderson county and so council acted on that to make it easier for that to happen because i mean if we can grow our local economy here with our homegrown businesses that's what we want to do because we care just as much about them or maybe even more than the new people who come in because they were the ones here in the beginning and we worked very hard to make sure that they're taken care of. We're doing two sewer projects, well, one water line and a sewer project on some existing industries to help them because they've been hiring people and paying taxes in Anderson County for a long time. I mean, we have a whole division that deals with existing industry because, hey, do we like the big flash and boom of a new announcement? But we know where the bread and butter is, and that's where we're going to take care of. Uh, just been so many I've lost track in the last 30 days job announcements anything big we're missing that we hadn't mentioned oh first quality's adding another hundred jobs because they're putting in a new line if you go up and look at Arthrex you see that there's construction going on there when that construction stops there'll be more construction going on there uh, some of our big employers are going to continue to increase there are plenty of jobs in Anderson County. There are plenty of good jobs in Anderson County, and there are going to be more jobs in Anderson County. And you've got some huge developments in housing. I mean, if you saw Packlet and Milliken's announcement, they're going to build 3,000 homes on Clemson Boulevard, which is in Pickens County, but you take one step over the invisible line, and that's Just Pendleton. And that's, and that's Pendleton. So we know that that's coming. So you've got that going. So things are happening all over the county. Uh, talking to the mayor of Belton and the town administrator, they've got new subdivisions coming in Belton. Uh, we've got a lot of interest and activity in the southern part of the county. Uh, so we're having to deal with sewer, sewer issues down there. As a matter of fact, we had a meeting this morning 
on how we can serve a large tract of land down there that somebody wants to go to right now, but we just got to work out sewer details. So everything is coming up roses. It's, it's back to pre-COVID, pre-pandemic stuff. Everything's back full swing now? Pretty much everything's back, back in full swing, yes. What are the biggest challenges to recruiting new industry here? I mean, I guess it's competition. Anything else? Well, we're blessed to have our place on the interstate. We're blessed to have Lake Hartwell. We're blessed to have a reputation for hardworking people. And people say that, you know, and everybody says that. But really, if you talk to industries that are here, and new industries talk to existing industries. Don't think they don't, because they want to make sure we're not telling a whopper. But everybody brags on the quality of people who work here, and I think that has a lot to do with our textile heritage, and I also think it has a lot to do with our agricultural heritage, because I don't know how many people have grown up on a farm, but I still say the hardest job in America is running a dairy farm. After you do that, everything else is pretty easy. So we just have a good work ethic in this area, and we have good people in this area, and People know that and recognize that. That's why these people come here. They come here for that. Well, I think we've talked about it before, but how does it generally work? Do people, who makes the first contact? Do we contact industries we want to come well, here? Some, well, a lot of times they will, a company or a recruiter, a recruiter will send out an ROI, request for information, RFI, excuse me, a request for information, and they'll ask you 8,000 questions. Do you have this? 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 And it's, it's really intensive, and each one's different. You get a lot of them that way. We also get them when, <clears throat> just because people know where we are, and they just come in and said, hey, they come to our economic development office, and we talk to them, and, <clears throat> and we, do, we do the dance with them. So it's been, it's been real good. We never have relied on anybody except ourselves we never take it for granted that somebody else is looking after our interest. So y'all target, you say this would be a good fit for here and y'all start working. Well, yeah, we don't, we, we don't need, we don't need trash. We don't need that. Our workforce doesn't need that. We need people who are going to increase our average wage, which is around $21 right now. We want that to grow higher and higher and higher. In the last 13 years, it's gone from $13 an hour to $21 an hour. You have to take inflation into account for that, okay? I don't want people to think that we don't take that into account, but that needs to continue to grow. And with the people that are coming in and the new jobs we have, we're going to get that point where it's going to be $25, $30 an hour. Not right off the bat, but a dollar or two bumps pretty quick. I think Bosch was $30 when they were $30 an hour. And that's a whole bunch of people who are going to be making that. And that's walking in the door money. Uh, are there any particular industries y'all are trying to recruit right now, or are you just, just the high-paying, just good well, Our big thing is always you pay well, and when we say pay well, we take your benefits package into account. I mean, that is just as important as how much you make, so all of that goes into the formula. But we like to have a diversified economy. We always have, so we don't put all of our eggs in one basket. I mean, we've got medical. We've got automotive. Uh, we're doing and um, expanding a project we had with research and development for new products in the food industry. We've got the hydrophonic farm going down there. You just need a broad mix of things so if something goes south, everything doesn't go south. And I, I noticed, you know, the trend over the last decade, I guess, is away from anything that would be a 
you know, what we used to call dirty industry that would be. Yeah, we don't need dirty industries. And if you go into some of these plants, they're absolutely spotless. And you're using a lot of computers and you're using a lot of machines. A lot of it is automated, but that doesn't mean you don't need people to do that. I mean, Electrolux has spent a ton of money doing a lot of automation at their plant. They're still hiring people, and those are good, clean jobs in a good, clean environment. You don't break your back. It's a good place to work. And they aren't dumping things in the lake. And they're not dumping things in the lake. Uh, the area behind the courthouse is looking good. Uh, any movement towards what will be getting a lot of people calling about it? A lot of people calling about it, but right now the plan is for it to have green grass and be pretty. Well, it's looking good. I mean, it's I just know there are a lot of people who are sort of impatient about that. Remind people why movement has been sort of slow on that property. Because we've never had the right project that wants to go there. And you can't, and I've said this 15 times on your show, I mean, you can only mess up one time. So until they want to move the Eiffel Tower over here, we're just kind of in a holding pattern. Oh, that'd be interesting. Well, I think and, it, and it, it's a good time to remind people too. This is the first time, really, almost since uh, incorporation, the county has had the original land, from yes. stretching over from Murray to McDuffie. Yeah, all of that is now back together. And that was a <clears throat> that was a goal we had to to have this whole block. We have that whole block, so we're going to be very careful if we do anything to uh, break up that. And we're fixing to spend a million dollars on fixing up the old courthouse. A lot of it, we're gonna repoint the bricks outside. We have a lot of work to do on the roof. Some of the timbers that you don't see up around the clock tower have been there since time began, so they need to be replaced. So council has authorized us to pursue that. So hopefully that'll be starting in the next, probably next month or two. Zoning is always on the table when we're talking about it. And one of the big stories that's emerged last time we talked is the city of Anderson, looking to annex land on the corner of East-West Parkway and Concord Road, maybe four to 600 new housing units. And a lot of people are worried about this because one, it's not what was promised to the residents when it was built, and two, the drainage issues to the five subdivisions on Cox Creek. Is there anything the county can do to curb the city's expansion rezoning or is just by law there's not much? If the landowner requests or petitions to go into the city and the city accepts, there's nothing we can do. So just one person buys all that land? If one person bought all that land and requested to go in the city, our council prefers it to stay the way it is and it needs to stay the way it is. Now it's already zoned, you can do some things there. But high-rise apartments and other things like that, you're taking something that is a beautiful trail. We're working hard. They are working hard on the other end to connect it to 81, working hard to connect it to the Civic Center. You can see that work going on. All the way to the YMCA. All the way to the YMCA. And then we want to take it further than that. So it needs to be pretty and nice where people can enjoy it. And I think that's what our council wants. Well, the council, I mean, when it was built, one of the understandings with those neighborhoods out there was it was gonna remain single family and not. Well, what council did is they made it almost impossible for the county to change that zoning because a simple majority won't change that zoning. It was put in so a super majority would have to agree to any change. And they don't want to change it. And if it remains in the county, uh, I can't speak for council, but, but their opinion is they won't change it. And you do have drainage problems in that area, which we have been addressing on the county side, and that it would have a wide impact. I wonder if there's any chance that uh, county council 
I mean, not county council, the, the state would revisit laws on annexation and override, just override county zoning. Because the county residents, that's the frustration. The county residents have no input at all. It's just the, you know, the city can add whatever they want because nobody can vote against them or vote for them. And I don't think that the state is looking to review the annexation laws anytime soon. <laughs> you know, historically, since you and I have been around really since about the beginning of home rule, early on we could have addressed this. Yes. Nobody wanted to do countywide zoning no, then. No, no. And now we're we're sort of reaping the the no. harvest of that. That's exactly right. Refusal. <clears throat> That's exactly right. Because those early councils were mostly the county council members of my memory serves were large landowners who really want to do what's good for the county, but they didn't want anybody to zone any of their farm. Oh, property. and you still have a lot of that in Anderson County, people's private property rights, and our council is very respective of that. But then, you know, you have situations where people don't want anything else to come around them. But if you don't have anything in place, look, I was here so long ago when we instituted the first land use regulations. And again, you would have thought that communism had been introduced into the land. So, and to a large degree, large parts of the county are still under those land use regulations, but not zoning. But our zoning process in the county is people have to petition the council to put it on the ballot for a vote. And so it's in the people's hands. Does zoning have any impact on economic development? Do they ask what areas are zoned, or I guess when people want to move here it, and live here? It depends on who it is. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And there's no way to go the other way if, say, a group in the city had a neighborhood or a subdivision that wanted to remove themselves from a city. They can't just vote and do that, right? I don't think they can vote to do that. Of course, it's interesting you can vote to go the other way, but not... But I don't know. I'm not an expert. I know you're not an attorney. That, that never, question's kind of out of left field. I've never, just, I've never thought about that. I mean, you'd think if you can go one way, I don't know, I don't know how that works. Let's go to the mill sites. Uh, what's the latest on the Equinox site? Uh, still working on the Equinox site. We thought, and it's still the middle of September, that we would have closed on that. Hopefully we may still close on that by the end of September. So that's in the works. Got to get it closed before you can do anything else. Yes. Yes. About the Belt and Honeypath, I have those mill sites. Uh, talking to the people in Honeypath about their mill sites, Senator Mike Gamble got a million dollars to help Honeypath clean up the old Shakola mill site. The mayor's working very hard on that. We're assisting with that process. We have some developers that are interested. I'm not saying they're fixing to build. You have people interested in the Equinox site. You have people interested in the land, the old Chemtex land, I called it. You have a group from Charleston that want to develop that. You have uh, some of the same developers are looking at the old Abney Mill, Anderson Mill site. So you have a lot of activity there. About Jackson and Chicola and those things? We, uh, well, Chicola we just mentioned in Honeypath. Yeah, right, right. And you know we own the Toxaway site, and we're talking with and already have awarded part of that to a developer to present us a plan to develop. But we want to do that in conjunction, hopefully, with Anderson University and several other players over there, because we think that has a that has the chance to be something really, really special. Is funding for demolition of blighted housing getting any better? Uh, it seems like that list, no matter how much money you get, just grows and grows and grows. What are the challenges of getting rid of those properties? Well, we're starting uh, asbestos removal next week on some houses, primarily in the Homeland Park area. And when we get that through, we'll be able to take down around six houses. But it's still hard to find money for demolition, and the council funds it, 
and our treasurer is real good about trying to find money to help us uh, demolish houses. Again, that's one of the things that people like the best. We have also taken some of the lots that we have received when we cleaned up all of the, a whole lot of uh, unsafe houses in the county. We gave that land back to the town of Williamston. We gave Honeypath their land and Belton their land and Iva their land after we cleaned it up, took care of it. So we're giving it back to the cities so hopefully that they can develop those sites and put new houses in there. So that's where we're all with that. All of that just happened. So it's a long process. It's hard to even find the owners of those places sometimes it, it goes bad. So I mean, we, we've got one piece of land that somebody wants to purchase the other day and these people just gave it to us. It was in a big estate they, and they had so many heirs they didn't want to fool with it. And they said, hey, y'all want this? Said, yeah, well, we'll take it. So hopefully we're going to take that piece of land and sell it and make it productive again. It's almost election season. I know Belton has one of the 25th and Anderson County's Board of uh, Registrations and Election has not missed a beat under their new director, Laura Booth Robinson and her team. Those new voting machines have worked well and people don't know how it works. They have electronic and paper verification. Yep. It's been in place a while and they're out and encouraging people to register to vote. The, the downtown location, is that where they're going to stay? That seems to have helped the visibility of voter registration. There's no plans for them to move anytime soon. The county owns that building and it seems to work very well. People know where it is. You're not riding all around the world trying to find it. Where is it? It's right up there on Main Street. You can easily find it. And that team's remained one of the top in the state. People come here to see how we do things. They did before, and even and even with the new director, they still do. And they still do. So we're very pleased with that. Don't ever have any issues. And so everything seems to be running very well. Well, I have watched, and I, I, I don't know why this just occurred to me. I guess because elections are coming up. But I have watched the patience they have with elderly and people who might have a little need a little extra help at these places. And I, especially if they vote downtown the office, that's that's something I haven't seen in a lot of places. Well. So. Uh, they stress customer service and, and voting is one of the most important things we can do. I wish everybody would vote. Yep. Uh, how about Paul's? What's the latest from Paul's? Any any schedule maybe for updating the park, dog park? Uh, not at this time. The big thing going on at Paul's right now is getting ready for the Halloween spectaculars they will have. Last year they probably had, I know, a minimum of 1,500 people. There's a whole lot of candy. It's a great event. People are dressed up. It's a, if Dogs are dressed up. Dogs are dressed up. If you have that time to go down there you will have a wonderful time and your kids will have a wonderful time and if you're 80 years old you'll have a wonderful time it's just a fun festification and hopefully we'll adopt some animals out of that because as you know there's a crisis all across the country right now with shelters the shelters are slam full not just here everywhere and we think that has something to do with covid let's get a pet yeah. okay oh, we gotta go back to work now yeah i don't i don't want a pet anymore so we're struggling with that uh, how about any update on moving the IVA branch of the Anderson County Library to downtown IVA? From what I've understood, that's going to be a really much upgraded facility when they do it. The IVA Library building is a very nice building, but it is kind of off the beaten path. And School District 3 would really like to incorporate all of that area into for their use. Because it's in the middle of all the it's schools. It's in the land. middle of everything. So we're working on a downtown location in Iva, which we think would be good. A, it would be updated to make it ADA, completely ADA uh, compliant. It would help downtown Iva by putting something that gets a lot of use, and it will get more use if people can see it. 
So we think it'll help the school district, we think it will help IVA, and we think the library will become more of a hub because people will see it. It'll put activity on Main Street, and that's all you ever want is activity on Main Street. So they'll go check out a book, or they'll use the computer, or they'll go in there to try to find a job, and then they might just walk down the street and get something to eat. What about the progress in the Broadbound County-wide? Um, do they give council regular reports on updates? We try to keep council appraised of that. There's a grant that we're working on right now called Middle Mile. And we met with Upcountry Fiber last week and really meet with them almost daily on that. And that will help us get to a lot of the rural areas. So we're putting those applications in. And they're putting fiber in the ground right now. I mean, they're up in the Pendleton area, they're putting fiber. They're moving as fast as they can. As Sandy matter, Springs area getting the Sandy Springs there. area, they're getting there. But then you also have AT&T's up putting in new fiber, and you have Charter who's putting in new fiber. And that's because they don't want to lose those areas. They don't want to lose those areas. And some of them have territories that they haven't served, so they have to serve. And this big broadband money really hasn't hit yet. But Upcountry Fiber's putting so much in, one of their contractors is now put his office here in Anderson so he can serve everything that they need. So we're getting there, but it's going to take a while. But we want to make sure that we get as many people connected as possible. How about, does, does Senator Mike Gamrell have his yet? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Even though That's he, when we'll know we've reached Even our... though he has a huge AT&T line that goes right in front of his house, it's a commercial line and he can't tap on. So until our senator gets it, we won't be complete. We won't, we won't be complete. All right, finally, as we sit here, the downtown Christmas tree, which last year topped out at 44 feet, uh, will have its unofficial lighting in 64 days. Correct. Um, any details on how much it'll grow this year? Any new decorations for the county square, the county I, historic I think the, the little elves are working on maybe tweaking the decorations, and the little elves are Teresa Bannister and Adrian Cole. So they're cooking up something, and I've just been told a little bit about it, but I'm sure it'll be spectacular. We're continuing, continuing to fertilize the tree, so we think it's going to be bigger, and I think the Chamber of Commerce is going to do their cookie crawl again, so there are a whole lot of activities that a whole lot of people are planning. I think it's gonna be great, and Anderson looks good at Christmas, and Anderson looks good anytime, but it looks spectacularly good around Christmas, so we're looking forward to that, and always. Remind, remind people why that November 18th unofficial lighting is gonna happen. Because people come back to Anderson for Thanksgiving holidays, and then they go back to where they were. But so we want that tree lit up so when they come home, they can go take a picture in front of it, the families can come downtown and see the tree lit up, and get get into the the holiday spirit. It doesn't make any sense for us to keep it dark during that Thanksgiving time, and that's something we changed, and it's worked out real well. And a lot of those people, when they come back and see that tree while they're home visiting, just decide to come back home for good. So it does a lot of things, and that tree appears in more Christmas cards than you can ever imagine. Have there been weddings out there too? Weddings out there, and. Families in front of the Christmas tree. That's their Christmas card that they send out. And so it's just become something wonderful. And now that we've got the Fireman's Memorial over there, there are more things to do over there. And that looks spectacular at night if you haven't seen it. You need to go over there and take a look at it. So a lot of things going on. And the early lighting doesn't have any effect on the official. People are just as excited. Just as excited. Just as excited. 
and it's almost election season and if you've not registered to vote time is running out deadlines are this weekend it's very easy to register you can go down to the office of voter registration and election in downtown anderson or to the powdersville library they can help you do it or super easiest ways to go online to scvotes.gov and it'll walk you through the process and you can get registered to vote all citizens uh, i think one of our duties is to vote and if i talk to somebody who has a political opinion who doesn't vote I immediately tune them out and think about something else. But Anderson County also needs poll workers. And if you're a good citizen uh, that's looking for some way to serve their county and get paid at the same time can be a poll worker in this year's November elections. And I talked to the director of Anderson County's voter registration elections, Laura Booth, about the upcoming election and the opportunities for people to serve their county and to make a little money at the same time. With the November 8th election right around the corner, we need poll workers. We need you. If you want to continue to have in-person elections where you go to your polling place and cast a ballot, we need poll workers. And we encourage you to either give us a phone call at 864-260-4035 or go to scvotes.gov and click the tab to be a poll worker and it links you to all the information needed so you can work the polls for us. And we are in desperate need of poll workers. It's a paid position. You get paid for training and you get paid for work in the day of the election. Um, you get to you know, perform a civic duty, you get to meet your community, you get to be out there, you get to be helpful for the democracy of America. And who's eligible to be a public poll worker? Um, we have student workers beginning at 16. You can be a student worker at 16 and 17. Once you turn 18, then you would just become a, a normal poll worker and work the polls for us. I have said it before, and I have been around a lot of these uh, places that... Uh, in voter registration election offices and we don't have there's not one better than anderson county i've seen them go out of their way to help people who are disabled or need a little extra help voting and appreciate all the hard work they do and of course a reminder anderson county has the latest and greatest um, voting machines that are accurate uh, have a, both a printout and an electronic version to check it against so there's no opportunity there for real voter fraud or anything so hope everybody will get out and vote and if you're not registered to vote there is still time to do that well, as we've talked about in the past, the census shows Anderson County is growing all over the place and the towns around Anderson County are showing that growth and it's time for an update from our mayors. This edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast News from People You Trust features the town manager of Iva, the mayor of Pendleton, the mayor of Belton, and the mayor of Honeypath. The next podcast will include the mayor of Anderson, mayor of West Pelzer, the mayor of Pelzer, and the mayor of Williamston. And Pendleton is continuing to grow. Uh, that's one of those fastest growing areas and planning for the fall events and for the future and for economic growth. And Mayor Frank Crenshaw, who I've known for more than 60 years, offered this update. Start with, uh, it's that time of year, that season for budget. How's the budget looking for Pendleton? Well, we uh, just finalized our budget for the fiscal year 2022-2023. Uh, and uh, budget's looking good. We've included, um, a lot of uh, some new personnel. We're going to have some new personnel in the Public Works Department and, and a couple more uh, new police officers and um, several other things we've included just to enhance the overall, um, I guess, walkability and other things having to do with the town here. Just trying to make things as nice as we can. And uh, we've also got some infrastructure improvements we're working on. Okay. And planning. We want to try to make sure we're, uh, we're planning and uh, looking at uh, where we need to be going. What kind of projects are you working on? You're talking about walkability, is there something new that's going on or just ongoing? Well, well yeah, yeah, we do. Um, you know, we have the um, this North Mechanic Street, West Queen Street project going on, which will uh, improve that area. It's, um, 
gonna hopefully be a good, you know, a really nice thing over there because we, we want to uh, just kind of do what we can to just improve uh, all aspects of that area and, you know, sidewalks and whatever. So there's a lot of, lot of details involved with it, but um, hopefully it's gonna work out really nice. Pendleton's already kind of a, a walking town, right? It is. It is walking town, very much so. And uh, that's part of the charm of it. You know, it's a nice place just to get out and stroll around, especially on a nice day like today. Any other new projects you wanted to mention that are going on? Well, you know, we're working on uh, several things. We've got uh, some things we want to do in town. Like we have the old doghouse gymnasium over there. We're, uh, we're trying to, to work on getting that renovated. Uh, we've got uh, a plan in place now. Hopefully that'll happen. We want to try to help get a new fire department built here in Pendleton. We're working on a, a strong plan, I think, that maybe allow us to do that too. And uh, we're also going to try to make some improvements to the uh, Pendleton uh, uh, Recreation Association and uh, not specifically to them, but to the rec program in general. Uh, we're, we're going to try to push some money that direction which we've got and hopefully improve that some too. So uh, we got a lot of things going, right? honestly, we, we really do. You mentioned your police department. They were recognized not too long ago for uh, reaching out and making sure all the officers got trained in mental health and all that. That's been a pretty big deal. Yes, sir. We uh, actually just gave a certificate award to uh, one of our officers, Daniel Carpenter, who uh, actually saved a man's life by administering Narcan and uh, you know doing CPR and everything. And uh, that's uh, all of our officers are trained, and, and we're the only, as far as I know, the only department in the county that has that training. So uh, we're real proud of our officers and of our, of our police department. Talk about those projects going on. Is the lack of materials slowing things down at all for y'all? A little bit, yeah. All that makes a difference, you know. And companies are having trouble, you know, getting things done and getting mobilized and getting from one project to the next. And, you know, if, if, if you don't hit things at just the right times, it, it's, uh, it, it slows things down. It's just the way it is these days, I guess. But uh, we're still, you know, doing what we can to move it forward. So uh, even though it might be a little slower, we're still going to get there, I hope. How about downtown business? Anything new or anything expanding we can talk about? Well, downtown business, uh, yeah. I mean, there are some things going on here, such as, you know, we're going to have a new restaurant opening up here and that's almost finished called Rains. And then we've got some other folks that are hopefully planning to renovate the old Evans drugstore building there, as you might know it. Others might know it as Mountain Maid. So if you've been here a long time, like you and I, you would know it as Evans drugstore, but uh, others may know it as Mountain Maid. So we're looking forward to that uh, if that if, that, if that comes, comes uh, to fruition because, you know, that's an old historic building there. We'd love to see it. Something, something good happened to it, and I think that's the intention, we'll, and hopefully that'll happen. So that's another thing we got going here. And we talk about this uh, every time, but as growth happens, how's the housing market looking in Pendleton? Well, you know, there's still a lot of uh, demand for housing, and uh, we still have a lot of growth going on here. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of economic development around to us, uh, thanks to Anderson County. You know, they've done a great job. Uh, Rusty Burns, Burris Nelson, and the county council down there, they've done a great job of bringing economic development to us and a lot of manufacturing around us. It brings jobs, brings people, brings growth, brings a lot of good things. Uh, as, as a lot of folks say, you know, one of the best things you can do for anybody is to give them a job. So we're happy to see that. And uh, it's brought a lot of prosperity and growth to our area. And uh, we're trying to 
be very cognizant of what it is and you know try to make sure that what we have here in the downtown uh, we actually maintains the historical character and charm of the town downtown and um, I think we're doing a pretty good job of that when we you know the fact that we're annexing them in to town into outlying areas it does set a standard for that and I think that's a good thing too um, otherwise it's going in there probably but if it's coming in here then it's going to have to fall you know meet our zoning guidelines and our requirements and I think that's all a good thing. Are there enough houses? Is there big demand right now? Big demand, yeah. What I'm hearing from the people building them, the various developers, um, uh, they just uh, they can't build them fast enough. Um, you know, they said one developer told me that they used to have a report they looked at every Monday morning to see how many houses they had in inventory, and he said they don't even bother printing it anymore because they have people moving into them sometimes before they can get side laid in the yard. And, but that's all over, it's not just here. I mean, it's just this whole area, the whole southeast, if you want to look at it. You know, if you, if you uh, got a house, you can sell it right now. Let's talk a little bit about the oil mill for a second. First of all, can, I, I'm sort of springing this on you, but can you give people just like a little 30 second history of that oil mill and what it did here and all? Well, as you probably know, you know, originally uh, they made cottonseed oil. They had a, probably the oldest cottonseed oil press maybe in the United States. I'm, I'm not sure exactly whether that's accurate or not, but I know it was, it, was, uh, it was extremely old. And then, you know, later they evolved into other things, you know, with fertilizer and with uh, other things that were, you know, things that farm, farms needed and golf courses and things like that. Uh, you know, they helped, uh, I guess, folks get the right products for, you know, those kind of things. And um, it employed a lot of people here for a lot of years been around forever um, and then you know when farming uh, started going south I guess you know as far as the smaller farmers um, it really put a lot of strain on their business to keep going and eventually they weren't able to keep going so then you know we had the building deteriorating which is sad um, sorry to see it go you know it was a great business for a lot of years here employed a lot of people for a lot of years uh, but now we're uh, you know we're, we're trying to see what we can do to get it taken down, get it out of here, and uh, move forward and move on. Have you got bringing in somebody new, or are we still just looking for somebody to do it, or how's that? Well, it's not our property, um, so, you know, it's, uh, but what we're in the process now is, um, you know, enforcing our, our code, our ordinances, and that kind of thing, and hopefully they'll, they'll be able to respond to that in a positive way. That's what we hope. And, uh, Get, get something moving and I hope it works out for, for them and us. That's what, we, what we'd like to see. It's a great, great direction for the downtown to move too, that kind of out that way. It is. It's, I think it's a logical progression of the downtown because as we get more growth downtown, I think that would be the logical direction for it to go. And we already have some growth down that direction. You've seen it, you know. We've got a, a brewery down there with a beer garden and um, I think we're going to see more things going that way. It's just uh, it's just a natural thing, I think, for it to go that way. And let's talk about events a little bit. Uh, you, you just had your Memorial Day event. Um, what other events you got? I know you got some summer music things. What else you got going on this summer? Well, we uh, we will have more of the music events here, which everybody likes. You know, we'll have the the Friday event that we have here that the Pava puts on the Pendleton Area Business Association. There, all the merchants will be open here pretty much, and. Uh, 
the, uh, the art center over here and so on. So uh, we'll have uh, some music playing here and uh, it'll be a real active area. How often do they do that? Um, it's on Friday. It's on the second Friday of every month. Okay. Yeah. And wasn't there some music on the Village Green thing y'all were doing? Right, yeah. Um, and that, I'm not sure what the exact schedule is on that, but it will be taking place. I don't know. It depends, I guess, on who they're able to get in here and what, what, what nights, but we'll be seeing a lot of that over the summer. Facebook would be the best place to find those. Facebook probably, and then we'll put it out as much as we can on, uh, not only on Facebook, we'll, you know, we'll be trying to put it on our marquee down there on a uh, mechanic and so on. Anything else going on this summer going into fall? Um, well, the only other thing, uh, you know, I guess you would say is uh, we will have the fall festival coming up, which is a big, big event for us, and the scarecrow contest, which everybody dearly loves, and right. it's a lot of fun. And uh, also one thing I should have mentioned here, it just hit me, um, we have a, a market, a farmer's market going on right now too, every Wednesday. They've got live music for it, got entertainment, got food truck. Um, it's going really great and uh, we're happy and proud of that. So if you got uh, some time on Wednesday, come on up and have some fun and uh, join us with for it. We'll talk uh, fall festival next time we get together, Frank. All right, sounds good, Greg. Iva is also planning for the months and the year ahead with a new library, housing starts, plans for the old mill sites, and many other things. And town manager Tim Taylor offered this update for the Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust. From a town standpoint, uh, how busy was the summer in terms of growth? And I know we've had some ongoing projects we'll talk about, but anything, any new businesses or... We, have, we do have one new business that, that's coming to Iowa that we're very excited about because it, it's the redevelopment of an old building. Um, our drugstore is a staple business in this community and really uh, a lot of Iowa's history was founded on the drugstore. Uh, Dr. Cook was the founder of Iowa, was the first pharmacist there and, and that family has remained uh, here uh, throughout the I guess decade you can say. And so uh, the original drugstore was taken down several years ago. Their second location, they're, they're in their third building now, their second location has remained empty for a number of years. And that building was purchased um, a few years back and the, the owner has remodeled the building and refurbished it to get ready for a lease. And so he has named his tenant, which was the name of the tenant is Kindred Kind. And they're going to be, uh, it's sort of a consignment shop, but it's going to be uh, craft, craft vendors, art vendors. And this building will consist of about 14 different businesses in one building. And they have really uh, done a tremendous amount of work to the building to get it ready. And uh, they're going to be opening, their grand opening is Depot Day, October the 8th. So we've, we've been in touch with the owners of, of the business and they're pretty much full with their, with their vendor list. And, um, all the vendors will be there on October the 8th and, and we really hope that this biz business does well and is a drawing uh, tool for our card for Iva. Um, they're going to do a lot of online marketing. Um, to, you know, there's 14 businesses in there that want to sell their products. So, uh, you know, we'll have 14 different more businesses, you know, marketing Iva. So uh, that, that's going to be really cool and of course the building itself, just, just dress, dressing it up. 
So that's a new business that's going to be opening up. And it's right there on the square. Right there on Main Street. It's the old Iva drugstore right across from the Iva Farmer's Market. And so um, I know the folks around here in town have been seeing the work go on. The, the building was being painted and for several weeks several weeks you know there was work going on up there so it's been a little intriguing for folks um, in this area and then we've had um, you know our business licenses we see that different folks come in and out for for different for different jobs um, a lot of times they're just uh, you know one-time jobs or roof repair or something like that but um, I think we have seen an uptick in activity in in the town over the summer a lot of people are doing some home improvements which is great, you know, because that keeps our property value where it needs to be and it keeps our homes looking nice and uh, we encourage more of that uh, as well. So we've seen that and that's exciting for us. We've got some new homes going up as well, which has uh, been great. Um, right now, I think there are um, about six or seven houses under construction and those will be ready in a couple of weeks. One, one interesting thing is in the Iva market, you do have people that want to move here. Uh, a lot of people are not aware that IVA is a 100% USDA uh, target zone. So those loans are fairly easy to get. And uh, so we're going to have something here at the town hall on September the 27th. That's a Tuesday. It's going to start at 6.30 p.m. We are partnering with the People's Bank. And their loan officers are going to come down here and do a workshop with potential homeowners folks that are interested in buying a home but may not be aware of the different loan opportunities available. And we're going to try to clear some of that red tape. Um, our developers will be here, a few real estate agents will be here, and uh, we hope that we can really um, you know, partner with, with the developers and the real estate agents and the bank to really uh, you know, get these homes sold so that we can keep them going. This is good for the town, it's good for the county, it's good for the school district. Uh, and it's incredible opportunity because we want people to to move here and these are great homes and so uh, that that is going to be tuesday september the 27th at 6 30 p.m i think that's the date it's it's the last tuesday in september so uh, and, and we're really excited to partner with the bank the people's bank is the only bank in this area so uh we didn't compete with any other banks to do this but um they're they're obviously engaged and excited about the growth in our area as well so that's happening. As far as businesses go and, and our uh, efforts to recruit, uh, we are working with, um, still working with the owners of the Jackson Mill property. And at this point, we're sort of in engaging a little bit with the county as well. Um, they're helping us out with uh, some potential, uh, not necessarily tenants, but uh, prospects and, and avenues to, to work with them. And so we, we appreciate that uh, partnership with them and um, that, that, you know, we've talked about this many times, that is the property in town that we want to preserve for um, a major business development there, a mixed use, whether it be, you know, a mix of businesses and, and residential or all business or whatever, but um, that is the property in town that we have to keep our eye on for, for major uh, business development. So we appreciate the county's involvement in that, and, and we'll be talking more about that next year um, as we go. We, what we have said was, and we, have, we are doing this, is that in order to really promote or try to recruit business, we have to get more houses here. And that's been the goal of the council, and um, they are, they've implemented that goal, and it's, it's working well, you know, rooftop spring businesses. And so that's what um, we're engaged in right now. It will come. It may be a few years down the road, but it will come.
And the county has turned over some properties back to Yes, uh, we, and we appreciate that. So years ago, the county and the town, it was several towns, um, it was a county grant. Um, they, they worked um, within the county to take down some dilapidated houses. And it was good for the owners of those properties as well because they were paid uh, for their properties. The houses were taken down and I think they uh, you know, uh, partnered with each of the cities within the county to identify a few homes. And so now they have turned those properties back over to the cities, not only Iva, but the other cities as well, for us to um, you know, partner with developers to build houses on. And I'm sure that's what the other cities are doing as well. So these properties already have the infrastructure needed and they already have the water sewer taps and some of them even have driveways still there. So it's gonna be easier for, easy for a developer to come in and build a house on it. And um, so yeah, they've returned those to the town and, and like I said, we appreciate that and, and we're, we're moving on with developers now to, to get houses on those properties. And infrastructure wise, I was pretty well set for growth, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, we, you know, we have a, a sewer system and a, and a water system uh, that are aging. So we're always looking for grant opportunities and funding opportunities to, to keep those systems updated because these things were put in when the Jackson Mill was put in. So, you know, they, we've got some water lines that are probably 100 years old and sewer the same. So, you know, we, we're always looking for uh, ways to update those. And um, so with an older system, there are always problems. But in terms of are we, is the infrastructure available? Yes, it is, especially for the newer houses because you have the newer taps that are going into some of, some of the areas where the houses are going. We've already repaired and updated the systems in those areas, but we're working with the county now on, on some opportunities for sewer improvements along with our own efforts as well and with water as well. Right now, we're, we, we have a golden opportunity with all the towns in South Carolina are applying for um, some of these COVID funds and um, Today is a deadline to apply. Today, September the 12th, is the deadline to apply for the first round of, of several million, I think, is available. So you know, every town and every system should uh, be able to get some money to continue updating their systems and some of the bigger systems to continue to regionalize and, and really um, have a good system in place for the county and the state to, to draw you know, good business recruitment, industrial development which benefits Iva, benefits Belts, and benefits all the small towns. So we, we of course, always support the county's efforts um, to, to maintain a good sewer system, and we're excited that, that they're doing that. But for the small towns, we, we have systems that we have to maintain as well for our residents and our small businesses here. So, yeah, getting back to the original question, is the infrastructure available? Yes, it is. And speaking of grants, uh, where are we on the library relocation okay. now? That is... Um, that's starting to wrap up now. Um, you know, we, we have an earmark from the state and we want to applaud our, our delegation for that. There's a $500,000 earmark and then the school district's uh, contribution and then the county. Uh, we're working with the county uh, along with the library commission on a grant and they've taken the lead on that and have done a great job and from what I understand that's been approved or close to approval. Um, so. The funding is pretty much in, in line now to get started. So what happens next is the library will temporarily um, not close, but uh, relocate to a town building. And, and we're looking at our Civic Center or our, our MAC Center for them to temporarily uh, relocate while construction takes place. 
the county obviously will be taking the lead um, on the um, the construction and all that because it will be um, with the library commission will be their their facility and of course the school as well I don't know when construction will start but I would say we'll have by the time we meet again later in the fall early winter we'll be ready to announce some specific dates uh, where where things will actually be moving but it is a very exciting uh, time because what's going to happen in IVA is the, the old ball field and we've already moved some lights down there and, and getting ready for this but the school district owns the ball fields and this didn't happen overnight this has been something in the plans for for quite a while but the the area is growing which means the school system is growing the Crescent High School in particular you know more kids are driving to school now you have more athletic events they've really really updated their their facilities there and they they need the buses out of there uh, to to make more room for parking and, and some of the other things they're doing there they already own the property in IVA so it just made the most economical sense to to redevelop property that you already own and how this benefits IVA is you know bringing this traffic into town will help us with traffic count on the highway to get more businesses to develop along the highway now with the buses coming into IVA there's been concern about well how is a bunch of buses going to look to IVA's aesthetics you know we've been careful about our appearance in downtown we've been careful about uh, the way we and maintain our properties and we want everything to look nice uh, the same same thing will happen with the school district if you ride down uh, by the district office now they they maintain their properties really really well they they stay up on their their lawn maintenance their facilities look good and that's going to be the same thing with this with this uh, bus parking parking lot it's not just going to be a fence out there it's going to be a nice gated area with brick pedestals and landscaping and uh, it's going to be done really really well uh, with the school district taking the lead but the town ensuring that the appearance looks nice because uh, you have people that live in that area you got some new homes going in down there and it's right along our highway so the town is involved in making sure that the aesthetics are are really top-notch right there on 81 so this is going to be a good opportunity for some uh, we hope some business development to come along this way with the ball field uh, that ball field has a lot of um, attachment to people. It's where softball games were played years ago and a lot of leagues were here and it was the thing to do in Iva um, 40, 50 years ago. So we don't want to take that memory away. So there's going to be um, a, a memorial there and there will be, um, you know, I don't really know how to describe it yet because we haven't really put it on paper yet. We haven't designed it yet, but there will be a memorial there that uh, basically gives the history of the ball field and what it meant to that particular era in town. Uh, we can't get that back, but we can definitely memorialize it. And I know our superintendent has met with some of the guys who played ball there, and we've talked to them about, you know, how do you feel about this, and, and how would you like this memorialized? And there will be an event there that will um, memorialize what it was and we'll dedicate a monument like we did with the the memorial up in the parking lot for the veterans but that that's a very exciting time that's coming um, i think once everybody sees the renderings and gets on board with it then everybody's going to feel good about it because you, you've got a, the school district will be purchasing the, the the library there updating that facility and having all their employees there 
You've got a new library going in on Main Street, $1.2 million investment right there on Main Street or renovation on Main Street, which is going to really do wonders for our downtown. Um, we have an antique body shop, which is a senior adult gym that's currently in that building that's going to be going into another building. Uh, so you've got a renovation of another facility that's going to be taking place as well. And not only will we be moving senior adults into another building for exercising, but we're going to open that up to the community for use as well. So you've got you know several areas of town that are fixing to have um, you know thousands of dollars worth of improvements being made. That's all going to benefit Iva and and really position the town for. It's going to really staple our purpose, you know, to provide community services. The school district is just really, really growing, and their ranking in the state continues to climb. And they alone are recruitment for people to move into this district. Um, it's it's being led by, you know, Miss Hip's um, vision is incredible. And so we appreciate her partnership with the town and with the county because this benefits everybody. Um, so with that being said, I, I guess I've, I answered your question <laughs> in a long way here, but when are we moving? Soon, soon. The ball field will be under construction in just a matter of a few weeks. And then the library, of course, will be announcing specific dates on when that will take place. Um, when that takes place, moving the antique body shop has to take place. So these are things that are, that are gearing up now. Um, along with those, we, we talked about those buildings, but we're fixing to start some major work on our dime store as well. We've got a couple of grants in the works there. We've already replaced the roof on it. That was the first thing that had to be done. We had to get the building in the dry. So you've got another building right on Main Street that's fixing to undergo some, some uh, major renovations as well that's going to be available for the public. That's going to be a community space. It's a big space. It's a huge space, and that building um, really, I guess you could say, is the heart of Iva because it's right there in the square, the mural of uh, the old depot is there, and that, and we'll be announcing plans for that really, really soon. We've already got some renderings that we're going to be putting out probably in the, within the next couple of weeks. The renderings itself will depict what the outside is going to look like and what the intent is for the building. But the interior, we still have some things that we got to work out on that. But um, that building, the the library, the new gym, you know, all of this is going to be happening right in downtown when you have construction going on at the ball field as well, and you've got new houses going in. It's really a very exciting time for the town. It's really defining a, a moment that'll be in the history books for, for redevelopment for the town. So we're, you know, we're, we're just looking forward to all this stuff. It's not gonna happen overnight, but um, we're, we're writing some history now. And that's one of the things that uh, companies look at is how vibrant things are going, how much building being built and stuff. Well, you know, we hope that that right there helps us uh, with recruitment of Jacksonville. Um, that, that is going to be uh, a major thing that we have to um, do. And, and of course, we have to sell the town to, to get the, the right developers there. And you're right, these things here help us uh, with that. How about any updates on the museum? Well, the museum is... Uh, <laughs> we're we're finishing up with some of the renovations we had to make, new roof, new carpet, had some mold, had some um, moisture issues that created some problems with the new carpet. So we we got to get that addressed. Uh, we keep delaying the reopening date 
um, it's going to probably be first of the year at this point, but, but we're moving there. Um, some of the items are still stored in the dime store, and so we've got to get that moved over, and it's just um, a lot going on with it. But right now, we're not, going to, we're not going to really target a date. We're just going to say sometime in the new year. But over the last, um, since it's been the last six months or so, we've had a lot of folks that have donated items to the museum, and we have those stored here at Town Hall right now. So when we open back up, we will have a receipt that was written in 1902 that will be available for folks to look at from a business here in town. So, you know, we've got more things that will be on display at the museum when it, when it is reopened. And once we get it reopened, we'll just... Um, well, it'll be a progress that's always ongoing, you know, updating the, the things that are on display and, and having it open more and more available. We have some um, younger senior adults, I guess you can say, that are wanting to get more involved in the town. And so uh, that's good because they will help us man the, 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 the museum and some of our other facilities as well. One other exciting thing is we, moving the ball field, so, we talked about the school district taking the ball field in town uh, back for the, for the school bus parking and, and their district administrative offices. So what we're doing is we're, we have another ball field in town. We, we refer to it as the Highway 184 ball field. Um, but that ball field is located on Highway 184 headed towards Ive Elementary. And um, some old tennis courts down there. There's a creek that runs through it. It's, a, it's probably about four or five acres. We purchased some property that adjoins that property about a year ago, another uh, four or five acres. So we're, we're combining all that together to really create a good recreational area. We needed this because the ball field in town needs to move somewhere. So the big lights that were at the ball field, we moved, we've already moved those down there. Um, and we're working with um, Studio uh, Main up in Pelzer. Blake Sanders is working with us on some um, architectural design down there and, and just uh, really helping us plan this out. But we're gonna open that creek up and have that um, as part of the natural landscape down there, some new trees, playgrounds, uh, redeveloping the ball field itself to make sure it's you know regulation ready for, for games and then redoing the tennis courts. And along the creek we'll have some walking trails. Uh, this is something that will require lots of grants, lots of funding, but uh, we got to get started with the drawings and get all that out there, and uh, so we're going to be. This council is going to be you know, really working on that in the next couple of weeks to get to get to finalize these plans so that we can start seeking grants and funding. But that is something that's going to be very good for that area down there, that ball field, that whole area down there needs to be cleaned up, and it's property the town already owns, and it's something that we can maintain. And, and you've got that creek that runs right through there; it's going to be beautiful. There are some apartments across the street that we annexed in several years ago, and we've always wanted to bring them in to be more part of the town. And uh, so there will be some crosswalks from the apartments that will have linked them directly to this, this ball field and to this recreational area because there's going to be, like I said, playgrounds down there. Lots of kids live over there. Um, some new sidewalks going in down there. This is a, uh, you know, it's going to be a, huge price tag but it will be worth it and you know we hope we can pay for all of this with grant funds and with uh, funding opportunities that we'll seek so that will be underway soon um, we, we've already met with Blake a few times and we've already got some preliminary plans out there 
um, we've got to do this because we've got to move the ball field to this area and we've already got the we're not buying more property to develop the ball field we're just redoing the ball field that we already have and so that should excite the community and you know any of our residents that that listen to this or anybody in this area that wants to come by town hall at any time and ask questions or see renderings or whatever they're more than welcome to we have most of those things here and we're we're happy to share those and to you know so that folks know what's going on uh, that going to be one of the biggest redevelopment projects that we've had um, in a long time. People love recreation, people love parks, people love uh, being able to to walk in areas where they don't have to worry about cars and traffic and so we hope this trail that we put through here will be will be the beginning of many trails that will connect Iowa to other areas in this area. I know that talked about a lot right now with, with the county and with with some of the other cities uh, developing these trail systems. Iowa is really not going to going to connect to Belton. We're not going to connect to Pendleton. I know those cities may be able to connect at least not together. Soon. At least not soon, but we can connect our area down here and we can uh, provide an area for people to walk safely with that's well lit and then, you know, in the future maybe connect that to Star and that might connect to Anderson. So, uh, you know, we can lay the, the groundwork now for future connections, but uh, we got to get it started somewhere. So that will be where it starts because we can put some trails down in there easy. There'll be plenty of parking down there. And, um, you know, for the time being, that's that's what we'll depend on. And then you know, with, with the future, we can maybe connect that to other areas. So that that's going to be starting soon. And I think that, you know, we're ending 2022 with a lot of plans and a lot of promises, which means in 2023, we have to implement these things and get them started and and see where we end up at the end of 2023 but i always appreciate you coming down because this is an opportunity for us to to really let our community know and the other communities in the county know what's going on in this southern part of the county i always said iva is the first city that you come into or the first city it's a gateway uh into anderson county from georgia from you know the lower part of the, the county a lot of folks come through here when they're traveling up to anderson from augusta or leaving Anderson headed towards Augusta, of course the lake region. Uh, so it's important that we keep Iva in, in, in good shape because it means a lot to obviously our folks, but it, it's a lot for the county as well because we are a gateway city and we, uh, we want to brand it that way as well. So we want to make sure we have things here for our folks to enjoy, visitors to enjoy, but we want to be a good gateway when people come into the county. This is what you get when you come into Anderson County. Yeah, we've had a, um, a a nice summer. It's been great. We've had um, our summer night concert series going on every Thursday night um, in our parking lot, and that is something that's a has has been a big draw for for years. And so we we really look forward to that. The community um, shows up, and our restaurants, of course, appreciate that because that does bring uh, business to them as well. And there's a lot of activity that goes on in the square. And of course, when it rains, we're still able to have our concerts. We just move them over to our civic center. So that's been um, that's been go going great this summer. Uh, we're gearing up for fall. We have a lot of events um, that are planned for the fall. Our depot day this year will be a little different. We're going to do Friday and Saturday, um, starting at four o'clock on Friday afternoon, with uh, a cornhole tournament and a concert that'll start at six thirty with Jukebox Forty Five. They're they're a good oldies band and um, some of our vendors will set up, particularly our food vendors. 
and then on Saturday will be the uh, the the main you know day where you have multiple vendors here, food vendors. There'll be a car show going on. There'll be two concerts that day. One will start at 11 a.m. with Band Silver, and then at 6:30 p.m. Uh, Saturday night we'll have Combo Kings that'll be here, and then our vendors will set up primarily for the whole day along with our food vendors. There will be a petting zoo this year. The uh, Crescent High School FFA will be helping us out with that. Uh, so that'll be something that'll be different, and we're looking forward to how that's going to work out this year. Um, of course, we're always glad to partner with the school. Um, their, their kids always, um, the kids in this district always are talented and uh, very um, helpful when it comes to our events, and, and they always want to participate. So we want to make that opportunity available to them. It's October the 7th and October the 8th. Okay, so that's so, the... That's a, Say that again, I messed you up. So. Okay, so that is Friday, October the 7th, and Saturday, October the 8th. Um, on Friday, October the 7th, we'll start at 4 p.m., and then on Saturday, October the 8th, it'll start at 9 a.m. and run through uh, 10 p.m. Um, then we have our, hollow, our um, chili cook-off, which will be the next week. Uh, it's Thursday, October the 13th at 6.30 p.m., and that is where we have area businesses and churches and individuals. They will, it, it's all amateur. Um, they'll cook, you know, a couple pots of chili and have out there. The samples are free. We'll have a band out there. Um, it's fun. Not sure how cool it'll be on the 13th. You never really know. It's a gamble at that time of year, but uh, it's still fun nonetheless. And then on October the 22nd is our Halloween on Main. That's the Saturday. And it's, uh, it's really a weekend early, but we, we do it a little earlier so that we don't compete with churches and um, schools and, and other activities that go on the week before Halloween. It's such a big draw, it would really be uh, a competitive event if we were to try to have it when everybody else was doing theirs. So we, we've set ours up a whole weekend ahead of everybody so that it gives kids a, just another opportunity to wear their costumes and get candy. So that's gonna be October the 22nd. That'll start at 6 p.m. and it'll be in our downtown and we have literally thousands of kids that show up. But this year we're gonna do something a little different. Uh, we're gonna have a ghost walk. Uh, you know, when you go to Charleston, you have these, these ghost tours you can do. So there's a couple of ghost stories here in Iva and we've got some folks that are gonna be telling those and um, that'll, that'll be a, a neat, neat um, added uh, thing this year and we'll have hay rides and of course a lot of candy. You already have a pile of candy started. We have a pile candy. of candy. I see you looking at it. It's yeah. a lot of candy already, and we wanted to get ahead of the game and uh, have that ready because, you know, these kids come expecting. We want to make sure they, they get what they, what they come for. And we have already a lot of businesses that have called to enter, and what's fun is it's sort of like a trunk or treat. We open the parking lot up, and um, folks will, will decorate uh, their, their vehicles or, or tables or whatever, and, and they'll dress up. And so you have the adults that really get into this as well. Um, we have a line dancing group that participates every year, and they dress up like witches, and, and they line dance in their witch costumes, and it's fun. Kids look forward to that, and I do too. I, I think it's really great. So um, that, that's our fall events, and then, of course, we're already taking uh, entries for their Christmas parade as well. So we have a lot of Christmas events that are set up. I don't have the dates on top of my head, but uh, we'll, we'll get those out. But, you know, it's, it's that time of year, believe it or not. 
And Honeyopath and the mayor, Christopher Burton, had been waiting to announce something to me in one of our interviews, and he said he had jumped the gun. But he, he's got a lot to say about what's going on in Honeyopath and some of the plans they hope to see, and also keeping an eye on the population growth so they can move on to some of the places that they'd like to see Honeypath go in the future. All right, you said you, last time we talked, you said you may have a big announcement. What is it? I do, and I've already announced it. I apologize for not giving you exclusive access, but... Uh, uh, I had a press conference about a month ago, and um, the state uh, has put in a million dollars for the Chicola Mill site cleanup, um, approved by the governor, so we should be getting that in our coffers pretty soon. Um, we're going to use as much of that as we can for, for cleanup, uh, not environmental studies. And, you know, there will be some environmental studies. We've got to um, test hot spots and see where the asbestos and maybe lead paint is. And, where, it, uh, where it's trickled through or not, and uh, get that cleaned up. Hopefully, um, hopefully we'll we've requested another half a million through uh, uh, Brownfield Grant. So hopefully we'll have a, a million five. I don't think we'll completely cover it, but um, uh, cover the expense that is of the total cleanup. But uh, we should get well over halfway, maybe three quarters of the way of cleanup and. Uh, just curious, uh, so I started asking questions and maybe we can identify what's not asbestos tainted and uh, lead paint tainted and um, maybe use our own resources to help clear the rest of it off once, um, once we get the, uh, the, you know, the particulates out of the uh, ground and the, and the building itself. So we have uh, some heavy duty trucks and, and tractors and uh, we've got a maintenance crew and maybe they can uh, get over there and finish what, uh, what don't get cleaned up with the, with the million five that we're looking for. Remind people why that's <clears throat> such a big deal to get that site cleaned up. So the mill closed some 20 something years ago. It was built in 1902, I believe. Um, it's just an eyesore. It, uh, it's, a, it's an eyesore and it's uh, attractive to um, certain people in the area that like to sleep inside and build fires and set it on fire several times over the last few years. So it's a huge safety problem. It's a, a fire issue as well. Um, you know, they started demolition on it and uh, some reason didn't get it completed when that happened. And it's um, just, just need to get it cleaned up. What kind of vision do y'all have for it one day? I mean, just if y'all were just vision casting, what y'all would love to see it's, over there? So that's a double-edged sword question, if you will. Um, some of the things I want to see over there I can't talk about, of course. Um, and some of the plans we have going on right now with some developers, um, Anderson County's been real helpful. I always want to do a shout out to John Kamey, uh, Rusty Burns and his crew, Greg Smith up there at the landfill, waste management guy. Um, Anderson County's been been a great help and great service to the town of Honeypath. Um, but uh, again, some of the things that uh, are going on right now, I really can't speak but of. If you're just talking in broad strokes, I'm not talking about specifics. Is there like what kinds of things? Can you talk about that? So what's been mentioned? Okay, there you um, go. What's been mentioned is if if we could afford it and could do it, we would love to have an amphitheater here in Honeypath. Looks like uh, most of you small municipalities around are getting amphitheaters for um, a venue for, for entertainment. Um, um, uh, one guy actually said we should put a drive-in movie theater over there. You know, some, some housing, some townhouses, uh, low-income development, um, 
take it and make the whole area a park with maybe a, a small gas station or something um, for that that area of town. So there's there's a lot been said. Um, we're just looking at what's feasible, and uh, we are having a feasible study right now done for what would be the best practice for that land and how it could be best utilized for the town uh, to either help it grow or help the citizens that's here um, thrive in this small town. So we started our honey sopping back in the spring. Um, we didn't have quite the turnout we wanted, so we're probably going to stop doing our spring event. And we're just going to incorporate uh, the honey sopping with our fall event starting in 23. I don't know everything, and one of the things I didn't know was honey comes in in the fall. So the honey sopping needs to be moved back to the fall. Um, honey's not fresh in the spring, I've, I've been told. So uh, <laughs> chalk one up to the mayor not knowing, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're doing, sometimes you do. Um, I've, I've made a few mistakes in this job. I'm sure I'll make a few more. but. Uh, our spring event didn't didn't hit real well, so I think we're gonna uh, probably advertise and had a lot to do with that. So uh, we're gonna do away with our spring event and just have uh, the two real major events. Now our Fourth of July event this year was huge, uh, biggest fireworks show we've had to date. Um, it was great, turned out great, and and, and here's a perfect uh, opportunity for me to plug Classic Carolina Ford right here in Honey Path. Um, Carolina Ford bought all of our fireworks. Um, I think it's probably close to $5,000 worth of fireworks. Uh, they're a huge, huge asset to the town of Honeypath, and we're glad to have them here and, and just so appreciative and thankful for everything they do for the town in and above just the fireworks show. Um, they go all out when, when the T-ball teams ask them for donations, they, they give, and when the town asks for donations, they give, and uh, Derek Hughes up there is the general manager Classic Carolina Ford, he's a, he's a, he's a great friend to have, uh, super nice guy, and he's always willing to help, and we, we appreciate him and, and Classic Carolina Ford as well. But the uh, 4th of July event went, went phenomenal. Uh, great music, huge crowd. Uh, David Jones, I believe, is the head of the Combo Kings. They were here, and he's, uh, he's pretty good at estimating crowds. That's another thing the mayor's not good at. Uh, he said, um, not counting the folks that sit outside the ball field, he he uh, he estimated around 5,000, maybe 6,000 people come through, you know, and, and most of them stayed. So had a huge uh, outfield um, full of vendors and, and food and crafts and arts and uh, snow cones and just about anything you could want, funnel cakes, you know, we had it all. So big event, had a great time, uh, turned out real well. Uh, so that some of the things we've done over the summer. Uh, luckily, college uh, had my schedule where I was teaching mostly nights, so I was able to stay in the office a lot this summer. I got a lot, lot done, a lot of stuff I was backed up on as mayor. I got caught up on. So uh, summer was was pretty good for the town of Honeypath. So this summer we had our second annual um, uh, kids camp, police kids camp all uh, all week. Had plenty of good food. All the, a lot of the merchants in Honeypath uh, reached deep and pitched in and helped us um, you know, feed the kids. Uh, had breakfast and lunch every day. And had shirts, tie-dyed shirts, and they had some of the activities they'd done. Something that was neat this year, it was really hot. I don't know if you remember back in June, but it was 98, 9900 degrees just about all week. And uh, other than the pool, um, where they could cool off, there wasn't much else other than shade. So. 
a big shout out to the fire department and Chief Jimmy Smith. He uh, he brought one of the trucks over, and I'm probably going to call this wrong, but maybe one of the pumpers, maybe. I don't know what they call it. I'm not a fireman. But they come out and uh, shot water straight up in the air off the truck, and it rained down on the kids, and they had a ball. They really enjoyed that. That's something we definitely going to do going forward again. Um, but, again, another huge summer, a huge summer for the pool. Also, the pool really done well this year. I don't know if the citizens know it, but uh, there's daycares from out of town that bring the kids here for our pool because there's not a public pool around anywhere. Um, some travel all the way from Liberty, I've heard, and uh, several in Anderson, and, and of course the daycares around here, but um, Tim Pace and the rec department's been, been huge um, uh, with the rec department and keeping the pool going. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. We don't hire a pool guy. Uh, his name's Tim Pace, and uh, when something breaks, he fixes it. Um, he's a he's a jack of all trades, good guy to have on your team. Um, Johnny Holcomb, got got to mention his name too. He's the lead of the the um, lifeguards there at the pool, and he keeps us safe. And uh, we had uh, one uh, drowning victim about a year ago that was brought back through CPR and Johnny's training. Uh, that's the only only one on my watch since I've been mayor, and I was thankful they were there for that. And um, visited with the kid long, not long after it happened. He was playing around in the yard. So thankful I was, you know, so glad, so glad. It was um, it was a blessing. Okay, you mentioned the rec program, getting a lot of kids participating in sports and stuff. Absolutely, our um, our um, baseball season was huge. A uh, lot of lot of players this year signed up. We had one that went to the um, um, nationals, not nationals. I don't know what I'm trying to say. He's an all-star or something. Uh, they went to um, the scratch act because I'm okay. not sure what it's called. Had a lot of players though, and uh, some made it uh, a little higher than the others. And football seasons kicked off about three weeks ago, doing real well. A um, lot, a lot of, a lot, lot of players in football as well. We hope to uh, soccer starts pretty soon, I think, and uh, um, just. A lot, of, a lot of support here in town for our rec department. Um, a lot of kids come out, and uh, it's, it's fun to watch them play. So, Mr. Wilson, uh, one of the things that, um, that we've talked about many times in the past is I've, I've talked to Little, and I've talked to um, Aldi and um, Publix and places like this to bring other um, grocery stores into Honeypath, and the magic number is 5,000. So we're right at 4,100 people, I believe, with the last census. So. If we could grow to town about 900 more people, it would really open up the doors for some other businesses to move in. And, um, you know, with business moving in, that means jobs and business license and taxes. Okay. Have, there, have there been any new businesses come in this, over the summer? So there there have been quite a few um, startups. Um, the um, old Black Cow building has been purchased uh, by a fella, and he's uh, going to turn that spot into four uh, businesses, I believe. There's an upstairs um, photography going on right now, and there's two smaller stores that's about to open or have already opened um, down on West Greer on the side of the um, of the the old Black Cow building, what we call it here in Honeypath. Um, he did ask me what what the people of Honeypath uh, wanted, and um, in the main part of that building, which was the old restaurant part. And just so happens I had took a survey not too long ago and 
Number one's a coffee bagel shop, um, pastries, small sandwiches, something like that. Uh, number two was a um, uh, sports bar, like a Wild Wings or something, you know, TVs, watch football on Saturday and Sunday. Have a beer, some wings, and, you know, maybe sandwiches and appetizers. Uh, and the third, uh, third most popular thing from the citizens was a, a fancy sit-down steakhouse. So, salad bar, you know, cook my steak to order, bring it out, let me sit down, eat, you know, eat a good steak in Honeypath, which uh, I believe several of our restaurants in, here in Honeypath do have good steak already. Uh, but more of a steakhouse atmosphere uh, would would sit down dining. As a lot of the uh, uh, several of the restaurants in Honey Path have uh, found out that they can make it on to-go orders only, so they've closed their dining room. So uh, that's the top three things that uh, that I told him we wanted here in Honey Path. Let's go back to economic development for a little bit. Any new housing? Anything else new on the horizon between now and the end of the year? Uh, so I've heard other towns are really booming. Um, it's getting here. It's trickling down here. I think we have probably seven or eight new houses either been approved to build or in process of building or just been finished building in the last two or three months. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but when you um, want to join land or separate land into plots, the uh, mayor of the town has to sign off on that um, for the Anderson County to record a you know when a plot's divided in the, but uh, there's a lot of uh, plots been coming across my desk for me sign um, one piece is right down the road here they took two and a half acres and split it up into either five or seven lots um, gentleman come in that uh, wanted uh, wanted that land separated and we got to talking he said yeah i'm gonna put five houses on that lot so a lot of a lot of potential coming um, a lot of it already been built being built so we're just, uh, we are growing a little bit at a time, but um, I think I think Greenville's trickling down into Simpsonville, which is trickling down into Williamston and Pelzer and Belton, and it's coming on to Honeypath too, so we're a little bit further away from the from where things are exploding, but uh, you know, we're getting some of that also, and I expect a lot more coming in the future. Any annexation plans of any kind? or? Uh, right now, we don't uh, have any plans to annex any um, properties into the town. Um, I want it to be the citizens' choice, um, not not a forced type issue. Um, we have done some studies and some surveys, and um, when you live in the city, your county taxes go down, uh, but then you have to pay city taxes. Well, if you live in the city, you get um, city support from the police and fire, whereas in the county, you get county support for police and fire. Uh, in the county you pay more for your water and sewer and trash pickup. In the cities less. Uh, so we've done some surveys and someone living on the outskirts of town just outside of the limits. Um, it's about a wash for them to annex into the city. It really is. Plus they get better service. They get uh, quicker response times uh, than the county can provide. So um, if people want to annex, I think it's a good thing for them to, um, but it's not something we want to force anybody to do. So we just need to get the word out there to the people that, you know, thinking about maybe wanting to come into town limits that uh, uh, it's, it's going to be a wash as far as your taxes and your fees and all that go probably, but you're going to get better service. So, But it's hard to convince somebody of that. 
Let, let's let's talk about schools and the schools starting back. And of course, one of the things all parents are interested in is school security. Any anything on that front we hadn't talked about? Sure. So first of all, we have two schools in Honey Path that are public. Uh, we have Honey Path Elementary and Honey Path Middle School. They're both in town limits. Um, with uh, the the horrible news that come out of Florida and Texas over the last year or so, we've um, we've put a real strong focus on school security. Um, both schools do have a full-time SRO in them, um, school resource officer. They're um, um, through the state certified police officer work for Honeypath, um, but they're in the schools. Um, Chief Bozeman with the police department has done several uh, scenarios with both schools about how people can enter the school and um, try to you know secure up all the, the buildings, the doors um, from the outside. Um, he's also went as far as to um, test the security at the systems at the schools, and uh, sent people in there to to the wrong door just to see if they could gain access. And when uh, when when they went to the elementary school, it took them about 30 seconds, I think, for somebody to confront them and say, "Who are you? Why are you here? What's your purpose? What's your business?" Uh, the SRO was on it within a minute, you know, securing who it was and why they were there and whatnot. So. Uh, I go to the elementary school some to check on the SRO there, and I go to the uh, middle school some to check on our SRO there just to make sure you know, hey, you got everything you need, everything going well. And um, it's uh, there's only one door in and one door out, and you got to be identified before you can enter, and you have to enter through the office. So I feel good about our schools. you always got that worry in the back of your mind anyway, but um, I feel pretty good about our schools here in Honeypath being secure and locked down. And those schools are an important part of this community. You're talking about being in the town limit. It's really important to have schools in your town. Oh, absolutely. Without schools, you've got no future. So uh, the school is our future. You know, the, the, the people at the school, they're our future. They're, they're five to, I guess, probably 13 or 14 here at the middle school, something to that effect. Um, but like I said, they're our future, and we got to keep them safe. And... That's the number one priority, and I've made that clear, and Chief Bozeman's made that clear with everyone that uh, our schools is number one from the police department, uh, period. If something's going on at school, break everything else you're doing off, and you head to the school. Um, like I said, it's uh, it's good to have schools in our in our inside our town, and uh, a lot of kids I think over to middle school walk to school, and a lot of the kids at elementary school are walked to school. Um, so they're younger, of course. You don't want a kindergarten walking to school by themselves. But uh, um, it's, it's great to have schools in inside the town limits. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Anything else big coming? <laughs> so we have our um, Sugarfoot Festival coming up, uh, October um, Fall Festival, Sugarfoot Fall Festival. Um, it's going to be on uh, October 7th and 8th, uh, Friday night and all day Saturday. Got some great entertainment coming, some, some high-profile singers for the area, uh, lots of fun and games and food for the family. Um, and again, that's uh, October 7th and 8th. We'll be glad. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a big crowd. Be glad if uh, everybody shows up, come on out, and uh, have a good time. And you're all having some for Halloween for the folks? We always have a trick-or-treat on Main Street. Uh, we do shut the road down. and. Uh, I tell you, a, a big part of our town is our churches. Uh, we have a, a lot of great uh, places to go worship, and 
they always have trunk or treat uh, there in the parking lots of the respective churches, several of them do. Uh, so, uh, but we do have one downtown as well, be, uh, be Halloween night. Hard to believe that as we're sitting here, it's not too long until Christmas. Do y'all tree lighting and all that set and parade? And so um, for Christmas, we have several uh, things going on. We do have the Civitans always put on the Christmas parade. It's going to be the first Saturday in December. Um, we do have a Christmas tree lighting, um, something I started. We got a tree uptown. Uh, we're looking to buy a larger tree that's more permanently uh, secured. Um, we will have Christmas with the cops on Main Street. They will be supplying um, small pastries and coffee and hot chocolate and stuff such as that. And um, while the planning committee decorates the tree, the kids can eat and sing and be merry. Um, and then the tradition, the First Lady of Honeypath gets to light the Christmas tree when it's time. So this will be her third lighting, I believe. So um, she's excited about being part of that. And uh, um, that's two, two of the main things is to pray and Christmas with the cops and tree lighting ceremonies together um, on the same day. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm thinking it's the weekend before Thanksgiving. Maybe I'd have to check my records, but uh, I know the parade's going to be the first Saturday, I believe at 10 a.m. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. It's something, uh, something we've been planning a long time. Planning committees uh, put a lot into this. Um, police department's uh, huge. Well, I guess we'll catch up again in December. Sounds great. Be looking forward to it. And meanwhile, in Belton, uh, Mayor Eleanor Dorn has finished her first full year plus there and said the city's in good shape. Moving into the fall, they have lots of things planned, and we talked about that just before last week's uh, Standpipe Festival in Belton. You had a busy summer in Belton uh, with, with summer sounds and some other things. Tell me about what all went on this summer. We did. We had a real big summer. Um, we partnered with the county and did the World Series, um, the 10 and under World Series and the um, 8 and under state tournament, 12 and under World Series, I'm sorry, that was a big success. I don't know if you've, I think you've talked to the county and I think it generated millions of dollars for them, and which is great. We enjoyed partnering with them and it was, Joey did a fantastic job. I went to um, a lot of the games and it was well run. The the fans were behaved and it was a great week both times both both tournaments good for local business and stuff well for anderson yeah. you know we're probably 15 miles away from there so right. we didn't get so much of that but you know that's how it works but we were glad to be a part of it and our name was out there and we're we're probably gonna entertain um doing it again maybe in 2025 you know they're way you know, they're years out on their bid. You have to bid for it, so we'll see what happens. But I think Joey and Todd McCormick with the county um, are looking at 2025. Well, let's just talk about that. Yeah, have, uh, recreation program, how's it go this summer? I know, you know, like I said, Joey stays pretty active. Keeping yes, I think that tournament about wore him out, but he did a fantastic job. Um, that was the summer sports, and now we've got soccer, softball, baseball, football, all of that going on right now. So we're wide open. We're probably serving about 500 kids right now. It's, 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 we've been very active in the rec department. You have enough space for all your teams now? We're figuring it out. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and speaking of, of rec stuff, you know, the county's doing the countywide um, overview of everything, and we'll be having that public um, input on October 13th here at City Hall for everybody to see the 
the master plan, you know, it's not a set in stone plan, but it's a in general plan of what we need to do with all of our parks and, and rec system. And it should be a very exciting time. I'm looking forward to it because that's, you know, that's a lot of the quality of living has to do with our rec system. So glad, yep. glad that the county's putting that interest in for us. And y'all have got some green space. I, I, we, mm -hmm. we just we talked, I think, a little bit last time about just celebrating the first anniversary of the trail. Is it still getting a lot of use? It, oh yes, it gets a lot of use, and the county's buzzing about possibly, you know, running the line between here and there, which would be fantastic. Um, uh, you know, Greenville's had such success with it. I think the county's wanting to be a part of that. You know, keep everybody here in the county instead of them packing up their bikes and heading to Greenville. So we're we're um, very optimistic that that may happen in the future. Uh, mm -hmm. How did Summer Sounds go this, this year? It was great. We had um, great musicians. The food trucks were really good. Uh, had a good turnout. You know, two of them, it was really hot, but it didn't, you know, we consulted the bands and they were willing to play and it, it went good. We just finished the last one Tuesday. We had kind of a two bands and then a Loretta Holloway joined the Combo Kings at the end of the night. So it was kind of three shows in one and big, big crowd and it was it was a big success. Great way to end it. So hopefully we can start again probably next May, April or May. Let's talk about the economy coming over the, <clears throat> over the summer. Uh, any new housing, any new businesses you wanted to talk about? We, we do have some new houses. We probably, you know, we're steady putting in water taps for new homes, more spot homes than, than developments. You know, a lot of talk on there that we're still waiting on some upgrades to our sewer system, which we hand delivered a, um, a $10 million grant a couple weeks ago for that upgrade. You know, we won't know what we'll get out of that, but if we can get some of that money and get an upgrade, we'll, we'll be able to handle a few of these developments. So that, that'll be, and, and it's needed anyway, whether we have developments or not, so. Uh, art funds coming in, or are y'all starting to, uh, mm -hmm. what are y'all doing with those? We've done, you know, part of a fire truck. We got two new fire trucks coming. We've used a little bit of the money for that. We've put in, the big project's been the new water taps, which has really saved the town a lot of money. It, it's, it's we, we really learned how much water we were losing with the old system remarkable what that system has done for us. And we're close, we're probably about 100 taps to having that completed. We're waiting on, on more taps, they waiting on them to be sent to us. Then we'll have that project completed. You're kind of like everybody else, you wait until your water system's 100 years old to do anything. I mean, well, every other town's the same way, it's not just Belton. And, and you're waiting on grants too. <laughs> right, Cause anything it, else y'all working on with that funding? Um, not, not anything you, that I've already you know, spoke of. We're, we're holding some back, just seeing what happens. You know, we've got two years to spend it, so we're not just going to find something to spend it on. We're trying to be very um, cautious with it and and do it right. So the budget's looking pretty good for mm -hmm. the year? Mm -hmm. So far, everything doing looked good. like it was mm -hmm. you were hoping? Yep. You know, always would like more, but we're, we're doing, doing good with what we have. How about any new businesses? Well, um, we've got a new window depot that just opened in downtown. We'll have a ribbon cutting for them on Wednesday of this week, nine o'clock. So that's exciting. I'm actually meeting with some people today looking at a building downtown and they want to run by some ideas that they have on that. I don't know what that is yet, but a lot of stuff like that's going on. It's been going on, you know, for six or eight months and hopefully 
something will happen. There's a developer interested in some downtown condos maybe, which would be really neat. Um, so a lot of what ifs, but it's going to happen. I know the museum's been busy. Any update on when maybe the state museum property could be available? Or? Their site is pretty much available available now. They just, you know, that is picked out. We, they, they're just working on securing the funding. Right. And hopefully they can get in on that ARPA money and that'll help them with that project because they, they need about $2 million. That'd be a big deal for Belton. It would be a real big deal for Belton. The state I'm, natural, I'm pulling for I'm just, I'm just, right. people don't know the State Natural History Museum, would, South Carolina National right. History Museum right. would be here. Mm -hmm. And and um, I'm pulling for them. I'll do what I can. You know they are on their. You know they're not a part of the city. They're a nonprofit here in the city that we we're very supportive of. But um, I, I'll definitely do what I can to help them with that. And that would make Belton the only town with two state museums. I mm -hmm, think mm -hmm. uh, the tennis museum, tennis hall, hall of fame. fame. Mm -hmm. Well, the fire department just got a FEMA grant for sixty-two thousand dollars that we're really um, pleased about. That'll um, let them upgrade their compressor and cascade system, which is the system that fills the air tanks in their um, air tanks. We've we've put in um, for a grant for a dog park at the head of the walking trail, which will be a great addition to that if we get it. Um, the police department, we haven't been given a number yet, but they will be receiving some money for a grant for body camera, and we're real excited about that. That Get everybody a new body camera, you know, that's very important to us. We've been hoping and praying for this grant, and, and we will get some of it, might get all of it, but at least we'll be able to get those guys some new body camera and we feel really good about that, excited about that. As you're growing, that, that need for, you know, fire protection and, and law enforcement and stuff continues to grow, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know y'all, over the last year or so, had a new, new chief and right. added officers. And yeah, we're, we're in really good shape right now. You know, that, you know, at public services, as you know, people come and go. It's hard to keep a full staff, but both departments are in pretty good shape right now. We feel real good about it. Our our chiefs are, are strong chiefs. They do an outstanding job for us. We're very pleased at how that's going, and um, you know we want to do what we can for them as much as we can. And um, they have our full support, and we appreciate what they do. And y'all got a special election coming up in October. Yes, um, city council. Tell them why we're having a special election for that. Well, Linda McCoy. Um, it had nothing to do with. It's basically business. Her insurance costs were going to rise because she was considered a full-time employee with her provider since she serves on city council. So she either had, and she's retired from the school system, so she either had to go back under her insurance as an employee or in, in all of her rates rise dramatically or um, resign and stay as a uh, retired on her in insurance. So she'll status. still be a good resource for y'all to. Yes, she she will she you'll still see her. She you know you, Linda's not going to disappear. It's it's very unfortunate that that happened. It, but I don't blame her. I'd have made the same decision. You know it's it's too risky with insurance, and and the cost of it. You know it's very unfortunate. And that's October twenty fifth, the special election, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think we only have one that had. had signed up. So Joshua Hawkins is the only candidate that signed up, so he'll be on the ballot in, in October. 
Uh, going into the fall, I know it's always very busy. Let's talk about all the fall events that are coming up in Belton. We got the Standpipe Festival, which is October the first. My people, how long y'all been doing? Just tell people a little bit about the Standpipe Festival that have never been. Gosh, I, I don't know for sure how long it's been going on, but um, it's it's we'll start at ten thirty in the morning, go to eight thirty at night. We'll have vendors, car show, lots of activities for the kids to do. It's all day fireworks at the end. We'll have music all day long. We'll have the Combo Kings again, and our Margaret Haney will be our headliner. Um, this 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 year so what's the date October 1st it draws a huge crowd probably around six or seven thousand spend the day with us and it's a it's a fun day and all the normal stuff y'all all the normal stuff and um the museum will have back the heritage days this year they've been for two years not able to bring the kids in so now the school kids will be incorporated with that again this year they've got about 13 artisans coming um, some really cool stuff that they do. It's 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 fun day. Yeah, that's very they do interesting. That Friday. That's a very interesting. Mm -hmm. If people haven't seen those mm -hmm. artisans out there doing everything from like blacksmithing to well, I have the list here. I hate to um, keep leave anybody out. They have a soap maker, goat farmer, uh, potter, African American sharecropper, beekeeper, zither maker, um, Native American crafter, telegraph op operator, gullah basket weaver, blacksmith, a uh, cooper. Wagon train camp cooks and a Model T auto mechanic. So we have those artisans coming. So after Standpipe Festival, anything else coming? We'll have trick or treat on the square, and then after that, we'll roll into Christmas season. We'll have our parade and tree lighting. And um, when we'll, is the tree lighting? Do you know the date on that? Um, it's usually the first Saturday in um, in December. I'm not sure if Lori set that date yet or not. And then we'll also that night announce the, this year's Hall of Fame. Yes, we have a um, plaque that we have for them. Um, you're able to um, nominate a citizen. Uh, we have a historical deceased category, a um, deceased category, and then um, a present category. And um, you can nominate anybody you want as long as many times as you want through the year. So if you nominate somebody this year and they don't get it, you can nominate them again next year. Because there are a lot of um, citizens who have done so many things for this town. It, it's really a cool um, thing it, to hear what these people have done is, is, is really inspiring, motivating. But we have plaques here in the hall at City Hall that have them, you know, their faces on it and um, anyway at the um, parade at the end of the parade and we light the trees and then at the end of the tree lighting we present these Hall of Fames to the family members that may be here and the members that is here that wins the award. So that's the night of the parade, night of the Christmas parade? Right, right. Okay. At the very end of the evening that's what we do. And your, your parade's traditionally at 3 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the first Saturday in December at 3 o'clock, okay. I sort of got us confused there at the end, so I apologize for that, but uh, lots going on in Belton, and um, that includes the Standpipe Festival, which was this weekend, and it's hard to believe that we're in festival season already, and a lot of the festivals that were scheduled early, particularly the Standpipe Festival, had to watch Hurricane Ian, and they were really worried that the weather was going to prevent, and it would be very difficult to, to uh, reschedule with all the other festivals going on, but they were able to hold it. They had beautiful weather. It actually turned out to be pretty hot. And I talked to Belton City Councilman Josh Stevenson at the festival Saturday, and he had this to say about the plans and the festival. 
And tell me about uh, how this week coming into the Stampfight Festival kind of got dicey. Uh, everybody was on edge, I'll admit. I, even up till Thursday, I was like, uh, probably time to pull the plug on this. It's not looking good. And, and Lori, Lori kind of, she's like, let's let's wait it out. Let's wait it out. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm glad they didn't listen to me. Uh, it all worked out, took a took a turn, and we got some pretty pretty nice weather today. And how long have you been coming to this festival? Uh, several years. I've lived in Belton for about 14 years, uh, been on council for three, so a long time. <laughs> how important is this festival to this community? This is one of the largest events we do. Uh, they do it in the chili cook-off, so it's, it's extremely important. Uh, and we, we wanted to get it in. That's the thing about canceling or whatever rescheduling. It's hard to do that as late in the year as it is with the stage and, and the vendors and all. So that's so why I was really, really wanting to get it in, and fortunately we, we, we made it happen. And for people who didn't make it out today, car show, music, tell people what they missed. Uh, like I said, we got some great bands, uh, local bands, Fish Out of Water, got Margaret Haney, a lady from Belton, making her way through Nashville. Of course, David Jones and the Combo Kings. Great fireworks show about 8.30. Uh, we got a lot of things for the kids to do, the bouncy houses. They're doing uh, tours of the stand pipe. The Art Center has has a new exhibit. The museum has, has an exhibit. Got about 40 vendors and food crafts and such, and great car show. So this is good for Belton. It is. It's, it's wonderful. Everybody seems to like it. And in Anderson, a new festival kicked off this past Sunday. It was the first Hispanic festival in Anderson, and it featured music and food, vendors, a health fair. There's a good crowd out there, good weather. It was at the Anderson County Farmer's Market. And Maria Torres Green, who's director of the Anderson County Latinx Advisory Council, talk to me about the event and their, maybe their plans for the future. Today is uh, Hispanic... Uh, our Hispanic Festival to, to uh, celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month here in Anderson. Have you done this before? No, this is our first one. How fast is the Hispanic population growing around here? Uh, we're going, I don't know exactly how quickly, I don't have the numbers, but uh, we are growing uh, quickly in this population, I'm sorry. <laughs> and why is it important to have events like this? To celebrate the, the many cultures here in Anderson and, and um, just kind of make everyone feel welcome. And one thing that I love about Anderson is that we are a welcoming city, but if we have these festivals, it just makes everyone aware that we're here to celebrate and that we're proud to have you here. And you got beautiful weather and a good crowd? Yes, wonderful weather. I want to thank all our sponsors for, for believing in this event and being here for our community. If people want to find out more about this group, what will they find out more information? We could go to our Facebook page. It's Anderson County Latinx Advisory Council. There you'll be able to find a phone number and an email to reach me. And the weekend ahead brings the Iva Depot Days, the Honey Path Fall Festival, the Pendleton Fall Festival, and kickoff of a number of other events, including the annual mile-long yard sale in West Pelzer. And over the next three weeks, you can look for the Williamston Boo in the Park Halloween Festival, the Paul's Trick or Treat, which is always fun, the Pumpkin Palooza over in West Pelzer, and the Piedmont Oktoberfest. They're all going to be celebrating the season. And not far behind that is the Christmas season, which is now only 11 weeks away. The unofficial lighting of the Anderson County Christmas tree, which is going to be taller this year, I'll have a more updated report on that soon, is only 45 days from today. And it is also the season our charitable organizations count on citizens for their support. It's the biggest time of year for giving. And we're reviving some of the uh, appeals by some of our great charities. And one is the Anderson Free Clinic, which has been serving this community for more than 25 years. It's reviving the Festival of the Trees this season. And Executive Director Tammy Collins said it's an important fundraiser for the Free Clinic. 
We are so excited here at the free clinic. We're back in our brand new renovated building and full on with all of our services, medical, dental, vision, and mental health in our pharmacy. Uh, everything is going so wonderfully. So we are now excited to announce we're taking on and bringing back the Festival of Trees. The Festival of Trees is an event that Foothills Alliance started years ago and it got retired with COVID and all of that. So with their blessing, we are bringing it back to Anderson and we're bringing it big. So the Festival of Trees uh, will be in November and it will feature about 30 designer decorated Christmas trees that are up for silent auction and live auction. And uh, the events surrounding this uh, on Wednesday, November the 16th, the preview sneak peek will happen and uh, the Bluckley station will be open that day. Anybody can come in, view the trees and the decorations. It's free and we welcome anybody to stop by. We'll have different groups performing, school groups, AU, and some of our local school children will be singing and performing throughout the day. And then Thursday, join us for lunch. We'll have a silent auction and we'll announce the tree award winners and share lunch together. And then we'll open back up for a, a free time to come and see the trees again. If you couldn't make it Wednesday, you can come by Thursday afternoon. And then Friday, we spend the day scurrying around and getting ready for the snowball, which we are very excited about. It's a formal event, will take place Friday night. And Jimmy Johnson and his crew will come and we will auction off the trees. One of the special features that we're including is we're selling a magic Santa key. There's 50 of those keys, they're $100. And if your key is drawn, you get first pick of any tree that you want. So we're excited about that too. So consider buying one of those. And then we get through the snowball and all of that excitement Saturday morning, the Grinch is coming to town. So we are gonna have goodies with the Grinch and it is Saturday morning from 10 to 12. It's $10 a person. So bring your kids, your grandkids. The Grinch himself will be there for pictures and mischief. And we'll have crafts and story time and donuts and other goodies for everyone to share. We are so excited to be partnering with the Bleckley Inn and uh, having this at the Bleckley Station the entire time. They're very gracious and uh, supporting us. We're in there for a week at the station. That way it's downtown, central for everybody. Um, it's walkable to all of our downtown restaurants and shops. So our hope is you will come and uh, view the trees and then grab lunch and do a little shopping downtown. If you win the bid on the Christmas tree of your dreams, we offer two uh, different services for you. The trees are wrapped. All of the decorations are secure on the tree. They're wrapped and then you have the choice you could pick it up that Sunday or if you would like, we will deliver it to you and fluff it on Monday. The days to remember for this, save the date, are November 16 for the sneak, sneak peek, November 17 for the luncheon, November 18th for the snowball, and November 19th, goodies with the Grinch. You can go to our website, www.andersonfreeclinic.org, all one word, 
and right there at the top of the page is the link to the Festival of Trees. You can buy your tickets there. In addition to our website, follow us on Facebook. We're posting trees and other information, and we will have the voting for your favorite tree posted. So be sure and follow us on Facebook. We'd love to have you. We appreciate your support. You don't have to wait till the Festival of Trees. Um, come by, take a tour, and we'd love to show you what we're doing, and we welcome any support you can give us. Well, that's it for this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. Next time, I'll have interviews with the mayors of Anderson, Williamston, West Pelzer, and Pelzer, plus a recap of the October 4th County Council meeting and more about the upcoming holiday season and local charities next time. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place.